you could ever need to know about the show It's in the show notes Everything that you could ever need to know about the show It's in the show notes So go on over to Grimerica.ca Or Grimerica.com Take a look around and see what you can find See what you can find See what you can find Now those dimensions were wrong, but even with them being wrong, he still uh, was able to run a, a car continuously without any form of fuel or energy at all. Okay guys, welcome back to the Grand America Show. We are going to be chatting with Patrick Kelly a little bit later. We get into a ton of free energy stuff, a real fun, fun chat. We actually went so long that we could, didn't have time to do an outro because fucking we went right up to our next interview because it was mind-blowing stuff. So you guys should enjoy that. We've got the Jingle King here himself to join us for this intro too, so I'm sure he'll have some, some nice tidbits for us. And then we've got the, uh, the one and only Graham. I need a loan to pay my speeding tickets down. Oh. <laughs> oh, How's up. it going, buddy? I need to fucking bring that up. <laughs> you knew it. was eh? two years worth. Two years worth? And they ding you for going like 11 or 12 over. I'm pretty sure 12 or 13 anyways, or 14 maybe. <laughs> I got to look up the old things and see where, but yeah, I had to pay off some big, some, some fines. Fuck. Two years worth. That's nice, eh? Goddamn. You got to slow down, buddy. I try. I'm the... trying. They get you, when it changes from a 90 to a 70 and a new speed limit, they change the fucking zone and I, I'm trying. Uh, now, I'm the one that everybody passes in that intersection on my way home from the studio because that's hey. the main... The main one on that highway. Because highway you can't 16. take any more chances. So I, everybody's wondering why I'm going so slow, and it's because it's 70 through this intersection. They just changed it, right? Uh, well, it's a couple of years ago now, but. You got to slow down to 70 just to, so I slow down to 70 right before the intersection until I'm through, and then I'm gone again. You're talking on 60. Yeah, and then it goes right? up to 90 again. I mean, yeah, it's a, it goes be, from 110 to 90 to 70. You just need to be 70 through that, yeah. right yeah. through the middle, from but light honestly, to light. Honestly, if you're just over 80, they nail you. That's right. It's pretty bad. It's. <laughs> There's got to be a little bit of a grace subsection, grace, yeah, you know, ten, ten. Ten, yeah, nine, yeah. zero. I know yeah. Michael. Michael had it all figured out when we were driving to the cab, and he's like, "I go nine over and nineteen over on the big, the big ones," and he says, "You're fine." So he sets his his cruise control. I hate using cruise control, so that's well, know, my problem. I, I know creep from up a and cock go and over all the time. from a cock <laughs> from a cop in Alberta. Well, they kind of go hand in hand. Um, that. They set their they set their radar guns on the QE two at one hundred twenty three. One hundred twenty three. What's yeah. the speed now, at one ten? One ten. Thirteen. Oof. So whether or not he's going to turn around and bust you because you're doing fourteen over, I don't know. But if, well, it's, a, if it's a photo radar, it's going to take your picture. Yeah. Yeah, that's the problem. These because are they're set radars. to 123. And they have these creepy vans sitting around everywhere taking pictures of people driving by. I always just give them the big fucking finger as I drive by. There you go. So do they send you the pictures with your tickets? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm really tempted to do that, though. You should. Just, just go speeding through there on your way home tonight with your hand Because it just window. reminds me of a cash cow, lazy cop in a van just sitting there on his computer watching. Usually, no. Usually there's not even a cop in the van. Yeah, they have to. You know what's funny is when they used to do it around Chestermere, they'd leave that fucking truck idling all day. Yeah, over here. Yeah, that's nice. No, they don't have to be present. That's why we have carbon taxes, dude. Yes, 
That's right. So anyways, I wanted to mention before we get going too long here, Patrick Kelly, that was an awesome show with him coming up. He wasn't too, like, you know, when you say mind-blowing stuff about free energy, you, you would think, you know, we're talking about antique gravitic stuff and all this. I mean, but he's pretty, you know, he's pretty frank about pulling stuff out of the ether, but it's all stuff that's going on right now. It's not conspiratorial. It's not uh, all this crazy. You just don't hear about it. Yeah. Exactly. And it's not even, a lot of it is just putting in a bit of power and getting more out. Exactly. Which is, which is, which is cool in its own right. Which is what he's saying, free energy really. That's right. You know? So he sent me an email after we, we interviewed him just to give you guys, give you guys a little update. And I thought I'd save this for the intro. He says, hi, Graham. I've been informed that the South African politicians are planning to demand registration and taxation of all free energy devices. Solar panels, wind power generators, free energy generators, et cetera, et cetera, no matter how small they are. Obligations to the proposed legislation can be made up to the end of May. I guess we just passed that. So sorry, people. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, South Africans. We've got some South African listeners, too. It's too bad. You really let them down. But they need to come from the 55 million people living in South Africa. The information link is here, and I see it is the thin edge of the wedge where other countries will point to South Africa as the example and try to implement similar scandalous legislation. Yeah, I don't, I don't take that as inherently nefarious again. Would you, I could see that as them trying to find a viable source of free energy to put into commercial production. Yeah. Right. Like they don't have the research to do that, but if they can get all these people. Well, I mean, you trust that the taxes from this are going to go back into research and development. Come on. This doesn't work because nobody can hear Brody. Yeah. We got to, we got to get Brody a mic. (laughs) Say what? We need, we need, we need Brody. (laughs) Here you go. (laughs) The moment's passed. Oh, but yeah, that's a good point. I mean, and then he says, would you please mention this in your, in your podcast? And that's uh, a new one. And ask your listeners to alert anyone they know in South Africa. So please do so, listeners. This is interesting happenings. And like he says, he thinks it's scandalous. And I, I, mean, well, I, don't, I mean, I don't trust I, where taxes I can go see, these days. I can yeah. see Brody's side of it if the government hadn't been co-opted. Yeah. You know, that's the problem. Is the government is, it's not the government that's the problem. It's the people that are in the government are all fucked. They're all co-opted. In right? all countries, you're making quite the generalization. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Everywhere across Everywhere. The world. Except yeah, maybe Russia. Much, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> People like that. That's pretty funny. No, they're probably just, I mean, everywhere. Everywhere. They're all fucking wasting your money. They're, none of them are doing what you think they are, yeah. and they're all just a bunch of crooks. And it's like, don't think, you know, I think most of them probably go in there with the best of intentions, but. Um, or maybe they don't. No, I don't think, I don't think Once too many of them do. Like choice, I think a small percentage would go in with good intentions. 10%, Some of them just went for the power. power. So welcome back to the show, Felix. Hi, yo. How you been? Nice sweater. I'm good, thanks. I have that same sweater, actually, except it's uh, charcoal. I've been, noticing, I like... I've been noticing in the chats you're putting out new music and stuff. Is, uh, is that what you want to mention here today? Yeah, that's I kind of kind of came to do a little promo on the, on the show, and I thought this would be a good platform for it. That's you right. guys kind of use use my music once in a while, yeah? I yeah. think you've been like every outro song for like almost a year. Some, somehow, some way. Six months. We, anyway. we could have a rule though. If we're going to talk about his new music, we should have a new jingle to go along with it or something like that. Hmm. You guys got a new jingle? 
No, we don't have a new jingle. We need a new jingle. Did I send you like two? There's like two jingles that I sent to you that you haven't used yet. <laughs> I'll have to go through my email. They were rejected. I keep, <laughs> I keep track of them. They were rejected. They didn't make it. So that's how, that's how we make sure it's Felix like the, keeps listening to the show. Keep, yeah, we have like to keep golden, a couple jingles in eggs. We have to keep a couple jingles in the sack so you don't yeah. hear them all. We got to keep you. Yeah, exactly. gotta keep you wondering. Exactly. If we just played them all right away, you just stop listening. Yeah. Fuck these guys. I'm thinking. I'm thinking like Willy Wonka, where the the goose is laying the eggs, and if they're not gold, then the egg, then the geese go down, or the duck goes down the chute. You guys remember that at all? I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> is that the cartoon? Was that the Willy car- Wonka on the Chocolate Factory, where they have like a not the Johnny Depp one? I'm not following the link to the to the tunes and the podcast. Oh, that we throw his jingles down the chute if oh, they're not gold. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like it'll say good egg or bad egg and there's like a little meter. Oh. That when the egg lands, it'll say good or bad. And then what happens is there's like a little snotty girl who's kind of a brat and she falls on the meter and then it goes way to bad and like beyond bad and then she falls down the chute. <laughs> That's where grandma would end up. Down the naughty Just, chute. Yeah. Very bad. Very bad. Very bad people. So yeah, I got kind of a little spiel that I was going to say about the song. It's a hit song. Uh, I, I've been reworking some old songs, re-recording them and using some newer uh, mixing techniques and uh, maybe adding a little new spin to some older songs. So this uh, song I recorded in 2008. So that was 10 years ago. And uh, now we're 10 years down the line and I re-recorded the song. It's called Hit Song. So it's kind of like, uh, I imagine it being... Uh, are you going to work free thinkers into your new rework? Yeah, there's a couple. I just, I got like little pieces of songs all over the place that I have to just, I got to stop just making pieces of songs and just complete a song and then move on to the next song. Cause I have like 12 songs just in pieces. It's good. Jingleitis. Yeah. Jingleitis. I got jingleitis, but I have a little uh, write up on my, my website website about the song. So if you want to go check out the song, buy the song. It's the single. I, I'm I'm providing the the newer one, the one hot off the presses, and then the older one that's ten years old of the same song, same but it's just a different version. So you can kind of compare and contrast them. So you can go to uh, sirfelix.bandcamp.com. So that's sirfelix.bandcamp.com. So S as in shampoo, I as in igloo, R as in Rudolph, F as in fire, Fuck. E as in earth, L as in love. I as an igloo again, X and X as in xylophone dot bandcamp.com. Sir Felix dot And there's always a link in the show notes for that too. Why would you use xylophone and not like X files? Wow. Wow. I was that just is, doing it on the, that's a I was fair, doing it on the fly. That's a fair question. All right. When you pronounce so, it with uh, something that sounds like an X instead of like a Z. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's X like saying like exotic. Well, it's like saying we don't even have Z. It's like Z's. saying F we, as in phone. We don't have Z's in Canada. <laughs> we have Z's <laughs> for one. Z. Uh, and this is my little write up on my website. You can go there and read it, but I'm just going to reread it here because I, I wrote it myself and I was getting try to try to be a little creative about it all. So I wrote here. I re-recorded an old song of mine from my back catalog, if you will. I wanted to employ some of my newer mixing skills to do the idea of the song justice. I think I'm happy with the results. First track is a 2018 version of the song, Hot Off the Presses, like I said. Second track is a 2008 version. I imagine the song being the hit song of the summer, where you hear it on the beach blaring out of boomboxes as volleyballs spray sand at your feet, where cars fly by in the sweltering heat with this song reeling in some Doppler effect warble 
Then by summer's end, you are so sick of the song being queued up at all the locations in your um, milieu that you wish you never heard it in the first place. But deep down inside, you still love the song deeply, madly, truly. I like the word. Song, isn't that a popular song already? Deeply, madly, truly by deep, one, of these, deep. one of these, uh, the, the Bee Gees, like one of these crooners. Like, uh, I like the use of the word milieu. Milieu. Yeah. I had trouble pronouncing that one. So we're going to play this anyway. in the outro then. Can you oh yeah. Me? Yeah. We'll play this in, or, the, or, or in the, in the bumper. Uh, no bumpers always broke for free. Oh, okay. I've been trying to get him yeah, on the I'll, show, but he won't come on. No, broke for free bumper. Really? He won't come Felix on? Felix Otro. I don't know if he gets the messages. I got to find any way to contact him. Yeah, it's hard with those people. You need to go through their agents. And I deleted and the Twitter app today, so. Wow, really? Yeah. I still, wow, have access really... To the, I still have access to the Twitter. I just have to go through the webpage, but it keeps me off it throughout the day. Nice. Because every time I catch myself on Twitter, I catch myself getting miserable getting triggered yeah. getting triggered yeah, yeah that's yeah. just it it's just a big fucking bunch of clowns shouting at each other you wow. know it's just not everybody but that's inevitably what you get drawn into and then the stories Twitter. that they're featuring these days and shit like that it's just disgusting so i'm just like would you be interested in coming to a sweat lodge with us sure i went on the weekend yeah great. i'm in yeah. yeah i went a couple old friends yeah, I'm actually in. some D and D friends as well and uh no D and D no no no, no I know, I'm just saying we should do a Grimerica one. Yeah, I'll go it to the was really lodge. good. So we could probably like reserve our own our own sweat and then we could bring like, you know, us three and people local that want to come and James maybe, yeah. Yeah, man, I'm in. Hey, hey guys. Yeah. I, I had a couple other little gimmicks. Okay, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah man. Gimmicks get up. Uh so I'm gonna be doing a local performance here, a musical performance here. I'm actually doing it at a senior citizen's uh home. Retirement home. It's my uh, my wife's grandma. Uh, so I'm going to be playing for some senior citizens, and I'm going to do some ocarina, and I'm going to play some guitar. And I thought I'd give you guys a little sample of a song I'm going to play. Okay, but here's the deal. Yeah. I want you to wear stripper clothes and tear them away <laughs> before the last song, and give all those old ladies one last, you know, hoo one last hurrah. Yeah, there you go. Get them all hot. And and they're all they're all pretty vibrant, vibrant old ladies. Are they? So there you go. They might be able to. I might be able to handle it. <laughs> they run down Felix. <laughs> Elvis funny story, style. I, funny story. We did a white elephant a couple or a year back. And um, I ended up finding this little tiny sponge that was a little bachelor. So he was wearing like Chippendales. It was like a little huh. tiny sponge. And it, it was one of those uh, things that you put in water and it grows like 10 times bigger. And uh, my wife's grandma ended up with it and she got a kick out of it and put it in the bathtub. So it was this little bachelor made out of sponge material and it, it was like three inches long and then it grew to about, you know, seven, six inches long. Maybe not seven. 30. I you didn't said see it was it. 10 times. Sounds so like, it's 30 inches long. Yeah. That's like yeah, two well, times. I was exaggerating. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Graham exaggerates all the time. Uh, and also since it being your guys' five-year uh, anniversary, I thought... This song's kind of just about reminiscing about uh, yesteryear in the past. And then I hopefully, it's kind of a somber song, so it could be kind of sad. But oh. I think you guys got a lot to a lot to look forward to in the future. All so right, this buddy. is just, you ready for it? You, yeah. you can name the tune. Here we okay. go. Sounds good. Ocarina. I just started playing this in November. So if I mess up, that's that's why. Now though it's here to stay, oh I believe in yesterday. You just got a sued, Felix.
nice. pretty good for your first time. Or for how long you've been playing it? I thought I had. There we go. Shut that baby up. And then uh, I brought three factoids, music factoids. Ooh. One having to do with the song I just played. Um, so that was the Beatles yesterday. Paul McCartney, I think, wrote it. He had a couple of pseudonyms uh, that he used in his career. So like maybe he used some other names when he was going to hotels and things, or he just went by different names for kicks. A couple of his pseudonyms were Paul Ramone, Bernard Webb, A. Smith, Apollo C. Vermouth, Country Hams, Percy Thrills, Thrillington, and The Fireman. Wow. You know what's funny is I was just reading an article yesterday about how... Yes, yeah, there you go. That's a compound. Compounds and grow. <laughs> I was just reading an article yesterday about how, what is it, Paul Best, the guy who got kicked out of the Beatles right before they came super famous, ended up being the uh-huh. happiest Beatle of all. Wow. The only one that didn't end measure up. measure that? Well, because they, they just interviewed, because all the rest of them were a mess for years, right? And he just, like, he when he got interviewed, when he was like, I forget how old, and he was, that it was an interview with him was the article, and he was just like, after he tried to kill himself. And then he just, you know, he had this great big family and all this other stuff. And he was just like, you know what? I, I, I don't know if I would have handled all that mm. well. I, I Getting just, shot, you know, John Lennon gets shot. I don't know what Ringo did, but. Was it you that was telling them, me about. They were all in drugs for a while was too, it weren't you, they? I don't know, probably. I don't know. I don't <laughs> yeah, want to assume. Jim Morrison. Yeah. So was That's it what you I was telling me today. I can't yesterday? win the 60 million. I just got to win the million. Because the sixty million is a slippery slope. Wait, was it you yesterday telling me that about all the the yesterday, psychiatrist? Yeah. Um, who, oh yeah, the psychiatrist to the, the stars. Fan, to the stars, yeah. yeah. It says they're all just a mess. And, yeah, I remember that was actually in one of the Brene Brown books. That that this thing about the psychiatrist to the stars, and he's got a bunch of A list celebrities that they're all a fucking mess. Because they had to trample their way to the top, and then they, they, got, they trample and, the way to the top, and they find they try and they lose kind of you kind of sever all your relationships in the process, and then you get to this status point that you assume the is, whole world's everyone's there. been told you that is the American dream. So you've got all this money, you've got all this fame, everyone's telling you you should be the happiest person in the world, but then you don't know who you can fucking trust anymore. But that's not the American dream. You don't know who wants money. You don't know. Well, no, I guess it's not. It's for no. some people. It is some, for some, it's some people. It's a dream, not the American. The American dream is supposed to be about like just the, starting your own well, business. Yeah, the, well, the American like, dream technically is supposed to be able to just keep improving one generation after the other. What? Technically. Yeah, I think yeah, that's what it is. You're supposed yeah. to be able to keep leaving a better fucking... Oh. Your kids are always supposed to be better yeah. off than you were. Oh, okay. But I'm it's kind of transformed into this fucking weird thing where, where it's rich and famous. Your kids take a ton of debt. And your <laughs> well, kids that, just yeah. get like billions of dollars worth of debt. So anyway, it was talking about how they get famous and then they're not happy. They've got all this money. They don't really have any connections. They don't know who to trust anymore because you don't know who's just after you for money. You got a bunch of yes men around you all the time. No one's telling you. No one's being authentic with you anymore. And then now there's no way to shut it off. So I think I actually ended up there by getting through a couple articles after uh, it was all over that Avicii dude. Right. I got two more factoids in the Okay, yep, yep. Factoid the shit out of us. So Felix agrees with me on the American dream thing, being a resident American? Yeah, I think it's, it's um, yeah, get you generation to generation. You hope that your kids get, uh, you know, be, be successful, use your successes as a platform kind of thing. I thought it was more about just being able to come to America and be free to build your business and have your, like, to be able to be basically in control of your This is when we need the Google hooked up. Hey Siri, what is the American dream? Oh no. 
I think it changes by generation. The American dream is a national ethos of the United States, a set of ideals in which freedom includes the opportunity for prosperity and success, as well as an upward social mobility for the family and children. Mm. Achieved through hard work in a society with few barriers. Would you like to hear more? No. Nope. That's a that's pretty much a mix between both of us, so that's perfect. All right. Yeah, I'd have to say that's pretty well done. Yeah. All yeah. right. Okay, go yeah. ahead. Three with factoid. factoid number three. Uh, this, this is number two. This is uh, for Fuck. every 1,000... What? What, you want me to skip a factoid? No, I've got it wrong. I was upset with myself, not with you. Oh. Uh, for every $1,000 in music sold, the average musician makes $23.40. Wow. That's the average. Ouch. I wonder if that's what it's like on books, too, because I always assume that the guy's getting at least a buck a book. But at, that, at 1000 that would be only $0.20 cents a book. I don't know. Actually, I don't know what math. I'm, I don't have a number to actually compare that to, so I'm just making shit up. Is that what? What was it at before uh, Napster and all that? Do you think? Yeah, no idea. Okay, that's is that current? Like, hey, that's like here, Felix. Recent? Next time you come back, I want one of the factoids to be the answer to Graham's question. I wonder well, if it was better back in the seventies than it is. Well, today. I mean, it was better for sure, but I mean, well, I don't know. You still better? had labels raping yeah, you back totally, then. Yeah, I wonder what the ratios were like. I have to go. Uh, I have to go check out the microfiche. <laughs> Fucking a. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, my last factoid here. Again, yeah, go check out my song. Just throw that in there again, sirfelix.bandcamp.com. I have a couple of little mini things to say about that. And then I have a synchro and I have uh, one more fact here. Are you guys ready for all of those things? Fuck yeah. Do the synchro last so I can play the jingle. And I got to read okay. some emails too from last episode. So This is actually a cool little side fact. Uh, sort of related to maybe even the song, my hit song. Uh, because at the end of the hit song that you'll hear at the, in the outro... I used some samples from my wife's 1989 Christmas tape. So she had a 1989 Christmas tape and there's all these little fun little um, things that she says when she's little and um, her grandma's in there. So I used some samples in the song just for, just cause. Cause the That's song sweet. is about, about finding your soulmate and stuff like that. And my wife equals my soulmate. Uh, so Does she listen to the is, show? Uh, once in a while when I play make sure she listens to this episode. <laughs> Will do. Uh, so this is a cool little uh, side factoid. You guys all know Christmas songs. So originally, the first line to Irving Berlin's White Christmas was, so you guys all know, can you sing a little, hum a little? I'm, uh, I'm dreaming of? I'm dreaming hey. of a white Christmas. So his first original line that he wrote down for it was, I'm sitting by a pool in Beverly Hills dreaming of a white Christmas. Uh, a friend of his, uh, a friend suggested to him that he drop the reference to Beverly Hills and the song went on to become the most com commercially successful song ever. Wow. Really? Is that why I'm always singing it at Christmas? It always seems yeah. to be stuck in my head at Christmas time. It's catchy because it's because they dropped that one line. Because it's been fucking hammered into me because it's the most successful commercial thing ever. It's, you, it's so oh, lovely. I, I don't want to. You don't want to ruin the moment? No, I was just going to mention something about it being uh, racist. Alt right. Yeah, racist or something like that. Wait, but, alt right, Felix. Meet alt right, Graham. <laughs> oh, that's uh, only, my synchro. Wait, jingle it up. I'm a rambling Graham with synchronicities all over the web. And Darren is skeptical about everyone and don't believe it.
You guys ready? Yes, sir. So it's kind of precognitive on my part, kind of uh, me, you know, uh, tuning into the world around me kind of thing. So my, my wife was, we were talking about reincarnation for some reason. And my wife said something like, oh, yeah, it'd be nice to come back next uh, time as uh, maybe not a human because being a human is kind of complex and hard. So I go, oh, you want to be something besides a, a human reincarnated? And then I brought up, a, I was just kind of getting the wheel spinning. And I started bringing up all these other things that she could be uh, living things. I brought up just animals and bugs. And I go to her, hey, would you be a, what about a June bug? Would you be a June bug? You guys know what June bugs are? Yeah, yeah, we used to have them in uh, Quebec. Can you kind of explain what they look like? Or? They're a little black beetle. They're kind of brownish black, right? Maybe they're different by you guys. But they're really like lazy bugs. Like they'll come and they'll fly around at night and then they'll, they seem to kind of just like pass out on their backs and they look like they're dead and you can kind of kick them. And they'll, you know, they'll move a little bit. You guys with me? Uh, yep. The so June bugs. It's like, oh, would you be a June bug? And she goes, oh, yeah, I guess I'd be a June bug. I go, okay, whatever. And then in my head, I was thinking, you know what? I think that we're going we're gonna to see some June bugs pretty soon, like very soon. And I told my wife, I go, hey, we're going to see some June bugs. I'm just kind of predicting it right now. So I said that, the, I said that, and that very same night, I went outside to roll up the windows to our car because I thought it was going to get drippy outside and um, water was going to get in the car. And right as I went outside, right on our front stoop, there were six June bugs. No way. Out of nowhere, six June bugs in our, on our stoop. No way. That's crazy. That's, some, that's, a, me, that's in mic cord. It's your mic cutting out now. Okay. Fuck, wow, that's, that's pretty crazy. And, and so I, I was thinking that, yeah, maybe I just have a sense of, yeah, they're called June bugs. It was pretty much almost June and I kind of put two and two together and was uh, kind of seeing patterns from year to year and knowing, knowing when they were come around, coming around. And I just go, we're going to see some. I know. And then I saw like five or six of them outside our, our stoop. So do you think that was precognition though? Or do you think you're manifesting it? Like, Hopefully that doesn't <laughs> synchro for a June bug infestation. I don't know. I really don't know. I'll give it a uh, six. Wow. <laughs> what? Six. 6.66? 6. 6. 6. No, I can't go higher than six, man. I'm sorry. I love you. But Six's I can't let like my love for you affect the synchro score. All right. So you're non... What's the word I'm looking for? Non-biased? Unless you... Well, you could always send a check. That seems to, that seems to sway me unconsciously. Uh, you're bought and sold so easily. I don't know. People tend to mention that they're supporters when they send in their synchros and it helps. Six but could I be still, like the sixth, six, the sixth month of the, of the year. Oh, there you June. go. A compound synchro, 6.1. It's the sixth today too. 6.2. Okay. I got to go to, now I got to go. Now I got to go to 6.66. <laughs> I got a new jaw harp too. Can I play a little jaw harp for like a, a millisecond here so you guys can hear that? Yeah. That's a weird fucking little instrument. I need to get one of those, I think. No, I don't like those. They no? creep me out. It's all about vibrations, baby. They do. The, all the like all the like old cowboy Indian sort of stuff creeps me out a little bit. Like the whole like I picture some some dude around the 
I don't know. Bonfire. I don't know what it was. I just hope I don't. I just hope I don't chip my teeth with this thing because it's like this little piece of metal, and if you like, you're flinging it, and it's like right by your teeth. Let's hope that doesn't happen. All right, Darren, you want to get into this then? Here, yeah, man. Emails? Let's hear it, buddy. <laughs> you want to do a spam gram jingle or something like that, or? Uh, Wait, before I go again, lose. before I go, go buy the song surfelix.bandcamp.com. All right, dude. Later, bro. Yeah. All right, take care. Okay, bye. Spam Graham, Graham. And of course, I don't have. Okay, here it is. Bum, 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 bum. This is from Julian. It says, "Hey, just wanted to say I appreciate your most recent episode with Leslie Kane." I think there was uh, definitely new territory covered, and the story is finally getting somewhere. It'll take the public a long time to go through the whole paradigm shift necessary to even think about this subject seriously. So this guy's talking about, or woman, I'm not sure, is talking about our last episode with Alex Takaris from Skeptico and Leslie Kane about the New York Times UFO story, and it's a great episode. Um, He says, or she says, I really appreciate the robust but respectful debate between Leslie and Alex as well. It's really awesome to see that we can have the dialectic play out without too much shit throwing and we're still at the point where we consider a different point of view. At the end, when you all bring up the consciousness topic and Leslie says she's trying to fix, Leslie says she's trying to focus on the least strange aspects of the phenomena, this is really telling because the field is so relatively small and it's important that the different public figures take on their own particular role or specialty. Because no one person knows everything about it. Anyway, anywho, thanks a bunch again for keeping up the great work. Sending well wishes from Brisbane. Ooh. Thank awesome. You. Thanks. And I have another email related to that episode as well I'd like to to read. <clears throat> this is from Scotty. He says, this is Scotty from Madrid. I've got some people from across the pond. Um, awesome show with Alex and Leslie. 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 I, I wish I had listened live so I could have mentioned to you guys to ask Leslie what she thinks about some of the work John Greenwald from the Black Vault has been doing. He's been getting info about this, Luis Elizondo. He was talking about it on Jimmy Church a few weeks back, and he sends a YouTube link, and it seems like there's some things that don't make sense about his relationship with the DOD. As much as I admire and understand where Leslie is coming from, I got a side with Alex on this one. I think there is fuckery going on behalf of Elizondo. As Alex said, the whole thing just doesn't ring true. Anyways, I thought you guys ended up keeping the whole discussion informative and civil. Ole. Yeah, it did definitely stay. Ole. It did, did stay civil for sure. That was good. So I, I've been listening to that Black Vault, or uh, not the Black Vault, but the Jimmy Church episode. And, um, and the Black Vault, we should probably have him on at some point. I mean, he's done... I think I met him back in the UFO Congress a few years back, but he's got document upon document and he, and he keeps all this stuff in this website, which is like a big repository for all kinds of freedom of information. Uh, those ones that are like impossible that. to navigate, but oh, they're yeah, like, like gold mines. So I search, so I went into his blackvault.com slash TTSA and it takes you to a whole bunch of stuff. Like it's, I mean, I don't even, I don't even have time to go through it whatsoever, but he's got a frequent um, FAQ on that. Frequently asked questions, <laughs> FAQ. And, uh, and the, the, some of the gist of that thing, which is a little old now, but they were talking about how he filed FOIA with the um, Office of the Department of Defense. And, and 
he they they told him there was nothing there, and then he started went. He was calling them and talking to them about, it, and then he was trying to get Elizondo on in person to record it, and he couldn't. There was he didn't get anywhere with that. And he, but he's really really like he's not hot about it or anything. He's just saying like I don't know what's going on. Like he doesn't have an answer really. But um, there was a problem with the wording of the ATIP, which is the program, the government program that Leslie talked about and these guys brought said there's an investigation group in the government doing this and ATIP is not really aerospace apparently it's aviation so there's a difference in the wording and that's some so one of the reasons why there might not be anything under the FOIA oh, so, so that's kind it. of weird that uh, you would get something like that wrong in the New York Times hmm. well yeah book them so anyways and then I started going into the black vault part and and he answers a bunch of questions in there um, I just lost my spot, actually. So maybe we'll just we'll, have him on the show. Let's just maybe I'll pull some UFO quotes from here or something. One day on some other episodes, or yeah, yeah. maybe we should have. Actually, we should probably get him on. I mean, it's it's it's, it's pretty mind blowing stuff. And he's super super there, well spoken yeah. guy. What's that? I think you can find a quote on there by the end of the jingle. Uh, no, but I have another one ready to go. I'd be cool. Down I was hoping that it was going to be the perfect segue deep. into the UFO quote. It's a profound UFO quote of the week. I'll put links to all that stuff in the show notes as well. Yeah, have them on. The It'll be a good one. Tonight. Yeah, we should. We really. can go it's down that vein with it's, it a little bit. Yeah, it's probably time we had them on. It's a profound Let's see what he thinks about your C-set, Ian. Yeah, for sure, man. So this is uh, the UFO quote of the week. The Air Force had put out a secret order for its pilots to capture UFOs. For the last six months, we have been working with a congressional committee investigating official secrecy Concerning proof that UFOs are real machines under intelligent dot dot dot. That was Major Donald Keyhole, 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 uh, Keyhole during a live TV broadcast on CBS in 1958, in which he was pulled from the air when he began to deviate from the prepared format of the program. I guess that would explain they do the, the same, dot dot dot. They do the same thing nowadays, but they just have the hosts. The hosts are all co-opted now, so they just change the subject. Yeah. Or they just go, oh, we've uh, are we gonna go some break? technical dif- difficulties and we've lost them. So we can't hear you. Or they go to commercial or they just... Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty cheesy when they do that. But we don't have to do that here because right. we have supporters like you guys. Well, at least there's a little less than 1% of you. So maybe like, you know, 75 out of 1,000. It'd be nice to get that number up to 100. Oh, no, wait, that's not right. Seven, yeah, that no. I don't understand what you're trying to figure out. 75 here. out of 10,000. What's less than 1%? 0.75. Point no, 0.075. Seven. Out of 100. No. 0.00. What? That'd be out of 100, so it'd be 75 people out of 1,000. 0.01 is 1%, so it'd be 0.0075. Anyway, support the show. Barely any people support the show. Support the show. You get the black budget, and we don't have to do these commercials, and we don't have to pull people off the air because our corporate overlords don't like us <laughs> talking about that. You guys are our overlords. America.ca slash support. Uh, there's the Patreon. People are canceling their PayPal to go to Patreon. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that. Is there, how do we, how do people cancel their PayPal? Uh, I sent, I, I have that. the, I shouldn't you shouldn't have brought that, up, brought right that up right now, but people have, I have the link copied now, so I'll send it to you. The link copied. It's on their end. I, I found instructions to send to people. Okay. Oh, I don't I cancel it. They do but I don't have them right in front of me. But so, so I don't know to me. I mean, it all ends up in PayPal anyway. So it doesn't matter to us. Like Patreon just pays into the PayPal once a month. 
Oh, okay. So it all ends up in the same pot. I think the fees are maybe a little less on Patreon. I don't know. To us, it really doesn't make a difference. Um, don't donate any Bitcoins until we figure that out, though. Yeah, we do. We do want to fi- figure that out. We had some people. I'm going to figure that out this weekend. Yeah. Because I'm not 100% sure I'm going to be able to get back into that. I don't think I'd take the write down this passcode someplace and st- hide it thing seriously enough. <sighs> so the other thing is uh, there's, uh, you know, we do appreciate all the support we couldn't do without you. Absolutely. I mean, it's not just because we say there's not a lot of people supporting. It's just that we know there's only going to be a very small percentage, but we're trying to grow that percentage a little bit. That's right. And uh, But we couldn't do it without the people to do some. No, we absolutely right couldn't. And there's no a bunch way. of people who joined the chats recently as well. So, and this is all linked in the show notes, all this stuff, really cool channels in the discord there, a bunch of people in the chats. Yeah. The chats has been catching fire again too. Yeah. yeah. GoAmerica.ca slash chats. It is the best place to find us because I'm spending less and less time on Twitter, less and less, and less time on the Facebook page. So, I mean, if you want real interaction, go to the chats because even it's not us in there all the time, but uh, there's a ton of Americans in there all the time and everyone's having a blast. And we're even got to, I probably have to get more into the uh, upcoming show channel and the past yeah, I don't show even channel go in and those. stuff. I, yeah. I don't even go in those. Yeah, I, I browse in there a little bit, but. But we should wrap it up. I got a baseball game to get to, and we do, I think we go a little over two hours or around two hours of Patrick Kelly. Fascinating chat. Uh, there is no outro, so we're just going to bust right into oh, you're Felix's. you're not going to do it now? I don't know. Don't, I don't have time. time. We're just going to. Just bust into it. Felix's fucking song. Gone. That's what we did the last couple times. We forgot the outro because you weren't. We didn't have a note to remind us to do it. So, so I didn't. Now that we do have a note. We just still don't do it. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so yeah, enjoy the chat with Patrick Kelly. One of a kind. Was he from Australia too? Uh, no, I don't think so. No. No. Somewhere in Europe, I think. Or hey, can like I make a can I make a can I make a book recommendation real quick? Sure. Cloud Atlas. Out Atlas, real good book. I'm like three fourths done with it, and it's like going to be one of my most favorite books. What's there it called? It. Cloud Atlas. Oh, Cloud Atlas. Bingo, bango. That too, yeah. All right, guys, enjoy the chat. got a special episode today we've got patrick kelly with us from freeenergyinfo.com it's practical guide to free energy devices i've been reading through this website it's it's mind-blowingly full of all kinds of information about uh, free energy and and clean energy and devices and all kinds of papers i mean you've done a great job here documenting all this patrick and i really appreciate you coming on the show to talk about it 
Thank you. It's good to be here. Yeah, thanks so much. I mean, I, we had um, Maurice Cotterell on, and I tried to get Baldini on, but then I think he, I think he, I found out he passed away. But we had yes, to explore, you know, a few years back when we started the podcast, we we started, we really talked about uh, free energy, and we wanted to do more about it for sure. And then you know, just we started getting into all these other topics, and so. But I was always thinking of. Um, somebody like yourself that has all this research and can talk about all these different things. And then, and then, uh, one of our listeners sent me your information and, uh, sure enough, we, we, uh, we got you on. So thanks a lot. You're welcome. So we were asking, we were talking in the studio here about, you know, free energy versus clean energy. And, you know, we were, we were, you and I were emailing back and forth a little bit and, um, do you want to talk a little bit about how you got interested in in all this and why you figured it was it was important to collate all this information into one spot for people? Yes, certainly, if you wish. Uh, it was in the 1980s that there was a television program on a TV channel here called Channel 4. Mm-hmm. And it was entitled, It Runs on Water. The actual video of that show is still around on the, the web in various different places. And it showed, for instance, that Stanley Mayer could produce the electrolysis of water at very low current by using a high-frequency signal. Now, that interested me a lot because I'm a civil engineer, and none of the training that I ever received suggested for one moment that free energy was a possibility. They always swore that it is impossible to have a free meal. It's impossible to get more energy out of a system Mm -hmm. than you put into the system itself. That, of course, is a blatant lie. I mean, it's obvious if you think about it. Uh, Everybody is well aware of free energy devices. Um, For instance, solar panels, they convert light to electricity, and they do it very well. They're only a low efficiency percentage, 19% being about the biggest at the moment. And the point of this is that the solar panel doesn't require you to put any energy at all into it. Therefore, the amount of energy coming out is far, far more than the energy that you have to put into it. Because the Sunshine arise on its own. That's an example that everybody's familiar with, but it never occurs to people that that is actually free energy. Another obvious one is a sailing boat. There are people who have sailed right around the world in a boat that has no engine at all. And it's obvious that to sail around the world, pushed by the wind, means that the wind itself is providing free energy. That energy can also be used by windmills and systems like that. Very simple systems that have been known for hundreds of years. Uh, Another option is uh, if you take water that's flowing downhill, whether it's in a stream or coming from a reservoir, you can use that falling water to turn a mechanism which can produce energy in the form of electricity or mechanical power, if you prefer. 
So these are obvious things, mm -hmm. but people seem completely confused by the idea that free energy might be possible. So anyway, back in the 1980s, I got onto the patents office and asked them to send me a list of the patents that had been issued to Stanley Mayer. And they sent me a long list and I bought about four or five of them. They cost 10 pounds each back then. Nowadays it'd be about 20 pounds, I would imagine. But um, having looked at those and started searching on the web for similar information, there was extremely little. There was very, very little information about free energy in any shape or form back in the 1980s. So I searched for some time and I found some things that were very interesting. So I made a note of them and I produced a number of documents that covered one particular instance. For instance, um, one of the devices was a, an electrolysis device, a small one, which can be used to feed hydrogen and oxygen mixture into the inflow air into a, an internal combustion engine. And that does a remarkable thing for the actual burn process. It separates the uh, droplets of what you would call gasoline and makes the burn inside the engine very much more efficient. And the burn being so much more efficient, you find that a catalytic converter is just not needed anymore. It also burns off the old carbon residues if you have an old engine and the engine runs more powerfully, more smoothly, more quietly, and the emissions are down to nearly zero. There are virtually no harmful emissions with one of these devices, which is generally called a booster. Mm. So I put these various documents together showing how you could make these things and use them and how you could build them and adjust them. And after a while, uh, I got so many of those that it seemed a pity if somebody were to find one of them and download it, that they would miss all the other stuff because they didn't know about it. Mm -hmm. So I put them together into one continuous, larger document and called it an ebook. And that's what started the particular website because it seemed obvious that you needed to share this information with other people because it was very difficult to find. Yeah, that's fascinating. So how long ago was that since you started the website? The beginning of the website says 2006 on it. Okay, yeah. Um, I think it may have been slightly earlier than that, though. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you really have collated a, a massive amount of information on all these um, all these patents. I mean, do you want to talk a little bit about what you have on your site now? Because I think it's very important for people to realize, for people to understand the scope of this. Like, if they wanted to understand how a lot of these devices, I mean, and not just solar and all these obvious ones, but there's all kinds of stuff on, you know, gravitational pulse systems and energy tapping pulse systems. I mean, it goes on and on and on. You've got all the lists of patents, the papers. Um, do you want to just talk about how comprehensive that is? And then we can dig into yes, some of the, certainly. then we can dig into some of the details maybe. Yes, certainly. If you wish, there are more than 20 different ways of extracting free energy. The reason for that is we live in an enormous energy field. 
it's a bit like a fish saying, what is water? Because the fish doesn't realize that it's living in water and that it's essential to have water for the fish to live. Mm. We live in the universal energy field and we're so used to it, we don't realize it's there. <laughs> but, yeah. but there are many different ways of accessing it. Producing free energy sounds very weird and wonderful. It isn't really. All it involves is converting some of the energy field that we live in into a form that suits us. You can do it, for instance, using an aerial. And there's a guy in Russia called Alex Kor, and he produces 100 watts of energy from a simple aerial, and he uses that to charge a mobile phone battery overnight. Huh. Is this, the, is this the aerial that's only eight inches off the ground or a couple feet off the ground? Uh, in his particular instance, he has his at the top of the roof of his house. Okay. Strung across to a tree. Okay. Uh, very simple aerial. Then there's a German guy from the early 1900s called Hermann Plosson. He has a patent on the various forms of uh, aerials. And he considers that uh, an aerial system that produces 100 kilowatts is a small system. This is the sort of um, performance that he's getting from his particular setups. And he was a professional in the field. It was quite clear because he described in detail in his patent how to adjust and improve the various aerial systems. And the information that he gives is so effective that it is very clear that he's done this himself. There's a farmer in Canada called Lawrence Rayburn, and he has produced a simple aerial which provides 10 kilowatts for him. Hmm. He calls it the TREC. It's two... Um, what, do we, what would you call it? Two spiral um, electrodes, if you like, two spiral aerials, four feet across, made from copper piping, and one is positioned 30 feet above the other. And he uses a link between them oh. and a spark gap and a link to a 16-square-foot earth connection. And he has tuned aerials in that, tuning coils in that, I should say, and he gets a continuous 10 kilowatts. Um, the most famous person with aerials is Thomas Henry Moray, and he was able to get up to 50 kilowatts of power from an aerial. And he demonstrated this many times in public demonstrations. Okay, that's one form. Can you can you just Another? give can you just give people a, 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 an idea what the ten kilowatts or what fifty kilowatts uh, equates to in our normal lives? Like, what would that be? A for kilowatt hour is six cents. Yes, yes, certainly, certainly. Um, ten kilowatts is able to run probably two or three air conditioning systems in America. Wow! So that's that's uh, substantial. That's substantial energy yes. then. Yeah. A kilowatt, 50 a kilowatt is a thousand watts. Yeah. So, like, my grow room is about allegedly two thousand. Two thousand. So you could two almost, kilowatts. So you could put this. Put a. Oh wow. Twelve so, cents an hour. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Two kilowatts will run um, 
a washing machine or a tumble dryer. Um, Henry Moore's 50 kilowatts is enough to power an electric car going at nearly 60 miles an hour on a flat surface. So what are these aerials pulling, pulling, are they pulling energy out of the ether for lack of a better yes. term? I mean, yes, yes, indeed they are. And we get a lot of energy coming from the sun. The sun produces oh, okay. enough energy, uh, as Moray remarks, to power 1,500,100 watt bulbs for every person living on the earth in 1930. So you personally would get one and a half million light bulbs lit up and everybody else would get the same. This is the amount of energy coming to us from the sun and it comes 24 hours a day. You, you don't see it because the earth turns round and you see what you think is nighttime. But the energy is still coming in on the other side. It goes into the ionosphere and there's a tremendous excess of energy just from the sun. And the sun is only a tiny part of the energy here. Mm. The energy field is so powerful that in any one cc cubic centimeter, anywhere in the entire universe has got enough energy in it to create all of the visible matter in all of the universe. Can you say that again? <laughs> yes, certainly. <laughs> One square cc, one cubic cc of space anywhere in the entire universe has got enough energy in that one cc to create the all of the visible matter in all of the universe. So that's that's really we just watched Jamie Janover talk about Nassim's work, and that's basically the exact same thing he was saying. Nassim Harriman, uh -huh. yeah. Yeah, Nassim Harriman's work on reson the resonance and the the sort of the holotropic, uh, 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 what would you call it, reality of the universe. Yeah, that, that it works that out. All that energy's in a little... Space is denser, like one, how was he explaining that one cubic centimeter of space is denser than the entire universe condensed into a cubic centimeter? Uh, well, <laughs> that's, the, that's the situation for every cubic centimeter in the universe. That's right. Even the matter-filled ones? Yes. Yes, indeed. Matter is almost not there. It's all vibration, Wait. really. It's a slower vibration. No. Yeah. If you fall from a height and hit the ground, it will be painful. The reason it's painful is the electric charge on the particles in your body colliding with the electrical charge of the ground. Yeah, that's interesting. Eh? Yeah, that is interesting because <laughs> so, that's when you can start looking at free energy as being a real thing. Like you're just actually just grabbing and converting fucking space into energy. Wow. Well, that's yes. what these air. That's what these aerials are doing. I mean, he, these guys just have these copper, copper. Maybe sometimes it's just other metals sitting there above their house, and it's grabbing this energy from the ether and pulling it in and converting it to. Yeah. See, when he was talking about that, that started to make me think that the whole universe is just an equation. And the reason it yes, looks it like the reason it looks like it's expanding is because it's trying to solve this equation. And as it takes these chunks of space and solves them, for lack of a better word, it turns it into matter. So, or you know, it's expanding because there's so much more packed into that cubic centimeter of space that there isn't to 
in the matter itself that, you know, it has to look like it's growing. I, I can't remember. I was pretty stoned at the time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the, the Earth is actually getting larger all the time. I agree with that, too. Yeah. There, there's more material being added to all of the bodies in all of the universe all the time. So the, so the not, energy, only, not only the Earth, but other planets, everything is growing, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, now, that's one item, and okay. there are more than 19 other ways of getting energy from the general uh, universal energy field that we live in. One of them is gravity, if you'll pardon the expression. There actually is... <laughs> There actually is no such thing as gravity. Uh, they'll tell you in school, gravity is the force that pulls things down to the center of the Earth. It doesn't. The energy field is energetic in every direction. When it passes through a body like the Earth, some tiny, tiny fraction is absorbed in the uh, component particles of the Earth, which means that at the surface of the Earth, it's slightly less power being pushing up against any item as opposed to the power pushing down from elsewhere. And that difference in power is what's loosely called gravity. Um, Newton didn't say that there was a force like gravity. He said that with two bodies separated by a distance, there was some force that persuaded them to move together. He didn't say it was a pull. It wasn't. Mm -hmm. He thought of it as a push, and it is actually a push. But that's, by the way, um, pardon more, my pedantic nature. More of electro um, electromagnetism, then? Is that what it is? Um, no, no. The universal energy field is made up of tiny particles, which are linked in pairs, typically, and cause action at a distance. Um, and the particles of this field act like uh, almost a, a solid gas. They are so small that they can pass freely through all matter. They're much smaller particles than atoms or electrons or anything like that. The energy field oscillates at very, very high frequencies and is enormously powerful. But anyway, coming back to or so-called gravity. There's an American guy called William Skinner. And in 1939, the uh, British Pathé News Service did a relay, a really, oh, let me try again. They produced a video of him running his workshop on gravity. Mm. Now, what he was doing was he has managed to very subtly cause a weight to fall continuously without getting closer to the earth. Now, that sounds impossible. I had trouble getting my head around that originally. But you see the video around on the web, uh, and it shows his particular mechanism. The one that they show is his fifth-generation version. And what he does is he makes the weight fall sideways. And... As it starts falling sideways, he moves the point that it's fall, falling to, moves around in a circle. So the weight continuously falls in a circle, but it never actually gets to the any lower down towards the ground. And he was able to power a 12-foot metal-cutting lathe 
in his workshop <laughs> and a saw and a drill, all from uh, a device which he powered using a single thread to organize the way that he got the rotation. But his, the gain of his system was about 1,250 times. So he got 1,250 times more power out of his system than he had to put in to make it work. Wow. But that's impossible. Not at all. <laughs> I mean, there, there, are some, there are some systems that have more than one and a half million times gain of power coming out and going in. And there are other systems that have no power going in and you get power coming out. And as the performance of the system is the power out divided by the power that you have to put in to make it work, those systems have an infinity gain. And for instance, a solar panel, even though it's very inefficient, has got an infinity coefficient of performance. You don't have to put any power in to make a solar panel work. So what uh, happened to the, the, the example of this uh, William Skinner guy? I mean, he, that sounds pretty amazing. I mean, it's a little bit more um, energetic than the, than the aerials. What happened to that technology and, and him? Well, the thing is, that was 1939. And there was a thing that started in 1939 that we call the Second World War. Yeah. And as a result of the Second World War, by the time 1945 came around, either William Skinner wasn't around anymore, or certainly the information wasn't around. So it hasn't been built since uh, to any great extent. I know some people who are developing it, mm -hmm. and they will probably bring it out. I don't think it's the most effective way of doing things anyway. For instance, there's another way of using gravity, and that is with buoyancy, because air is a lot lighter than water. There's a guy called James Kwok in Australia, and he produces systems where compressed air is fed into a um, buoyancy system, which produces between 250 to 1,000 kilowatts of excess energy. Now, that's a very effective system, and he's offering it commercially if you want to buy it. Obviously, it's going to be expensive because you have to build a vertical container to hold a column of water. You um, should be able to power an entire house with that. You can, you can power an entire house with about five kilowatts. And his systems run from 250 to 1,000. So you're talking about powering a district. Wow. Really, eh? How much is one? Maybe I'll talk to the neighbors. <laughs> yeah, yes, you can do. Um, but th these are merely, at the moment, we're merely discussing what can be done. So let's move on. Um, <laughs> there is a very simple system by a Russian called uh, Mikhail Dmitriev. And he has a little electric motor which pushes weights sideways. And those weights being pushed sideways, as they're attached to a large wheel, fly, like cause that wheel? wheel to go round. Sorry? Like a flywheel? Like a heavy flywheel? Uh, yes, that's right. Uh, it's large, four or five feet in diameter. And he gets at least 100 watts of excess energy from the system. 
which is effectively running on gravity. Okay, moving on to a different type of way have, of taking energy. Have you? From the, uh, are you familiar with with Gerard Morin's hyperdrive system? Vaguely, I find him difficult to understand. I don't understand it at all. No, I was just saying, if you don't understand <laughs> yeah. it, then we can't talk about it. <laughs> no. Okay, let's move, no, on I, to the, I, let's move on to the next type you're talking about. Now. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I find him very difficult to understand. The things that he has, most of them look very good. Some of the things he has are completely scary. He's got enormous large systems, which are highly dangerous. But anyway, as you say, moving on, you can get power from... Uh, effectively inertia uh, with a spinning rotor. Right. Uh, for instance, there is a Japanese guy, Eru Kawei, and he had produced a small electric motor, which would power a motorcycle, and it was more than three times the output. It was producing more than three times the input in output power, which meant that you could run an electric motorcycle forever with no fuel. Um, he was intimidated into silence. Mm. Some of the uh, Japanese mafia broke into the meeting that he was having in America and frightened him so much that he shut up and went away. And his motor was never, ever produced. But the details of it are in my ebook if you want to build one for yourself. There is a very interesting system there at the moment. It is a small rotating device, uh, a spinning rotor, surrounded by five coils, and it produces 150 watts of continuous output uh, forever and ever and ever, effectively. That sounds and a lot self- like what Ed Leedskalman was using at Coral Castle. Well, I don't know. I've looked at Ed Leedskalman many times and in considerable detail, but I'd never been able to see anything useful that he was producing. Yes, he was able to move large blocks of uh, material to build a a particular building. That's fine. Uh, He was able to start a current in a continuous magnetic loop, and that current would flow forever and ever until you broke the circuit. Yeah, that's true, but it doesn't do anything. It's not actually useful for anything. Except Whereas, rocks. Well, I don't think he used it for you moving rocks. I think he used sound for that. But uh, that's a, a lost technique, and he didn't want to share it. I don't blame him. But anyway. just throwing big rocks at each other. <laughs> okay, if you say so. But this, this particular rotor produced by the South African guy is a small device. It's tabletop. It's something you can make yourself quite readily if you want to. And he's got it in various versions. His first version produced 40 watts of excess power and charged three 12-volt batteries at the same time and was self-powered. His next version did just one battery and produced 60 watts of output power. And the version he has at the moment does 150 watts of output power and is self-powered. It's a small system, but it's quite attractive. Uh, it's not big enough to run a washing machine or a towel dryer, 
or to do an air conditioning system. Um, I find it amusing, actually, that you have air conditioning systems. In this country here, it's never warm enough to need one. But anyway, okay, moving on. Uh, you can also get motionless circuits to produce uh, an energy gain, which is caused again by drawing energy in from the universal energy field that we live in. There's a guy called Lawrence Chung, and he has a very simple magnetic frame. It's like the frame for a transformer, but one side is broken and a fairly light um, permanent magnet is inserted in that particular side. And when you wind a coil on the frame and oscillate the coil, you get an output which is at least 50% bigger than the input power. This, of course, according to conventional science, is impossible. Mm -hmm. It isn't, of course. There are so many things that conventional science says that are completely laughable. I mean, oh, I won't, I won't go any further. Well, on you that. Can, no, we <laughs> should, we should approach that because I'm sort of biting my tongue as well because it's it's frustrating because we're in this paradigm where none of this stuff is possible, and and so it it just begs the question like what has happened. Like, is all this technology, uh, it's, it's possible, but it's not scalable to something commercial or like, is, is obviously there's, you know, there's also nefarious suppression going on as well. Like what, you know, why isn't our scientific paradigm accepting all this? Well, first of all, the people who actually run planet earth don't want the people to have energy, which is free. Right. That's an absolute no, no. And the reason is not just commercial. The reason is primarily control of people. That's the main objective. They want people to be enslaved, to have to pay for things that they don't really need to pay for. Like, Darren, I bet but, you if you put an Ariel, an Ariel up in your... An Ariel? Uh, an, an Ariel. I'm not even like in, mermaids, bro. <laughs> if you put one up in your front, in your yard, and disconnected your hydro, yeah. I mean, what do you think they would... They probably wouldn't let you do that. Yeah, you're allowed to here. You can... I don't know, like, I don't know if they look into how you're doing it, but I know, like, people that are doing a bunch of solar panels or wind or stuff like that, if you end up producing more power, they'll, they'll send you a check instead of a bill because they take that power into the grid. That, that's completely correct, yes. And that's most of the places in the States and in the UK. So how do we build an aerial? <laughs> First we need a well, It's a piece of wire and you stick it up in the air. <laughs> Perfect. You, in, you insulate it so that it's not short-circuited by whatever's holding it up. You can do that with a piece of nylon cord. And you then rectify the signal that's produced, and you earth the other end of the cable. And that's very effective. And how much power am I getting? With a, a simple area like that, it's probably not much. Maybe 30 watts or something like that. So I need 100 um, of them? Well, no, you can do the double yeah, copper yes, wire one like the guy in Canada. Where, where in Canada was that other guy from? Do you know? I don't recall, okay, we'll actually, look, where he's we'll living. have to look that guy up. I have a feeling he's from Alberta. Maybe we can uh, go visit him or something. Uh, uh, to me, Canada is a country that's large and far away. <laughs> so, <laughs> <Yeah>. so, <laughs> I don't much uh, distinguish between different spots in yeah. that far country. Exactly. But, but you're right. 
if you have more than one aerial, you get more than the amount of power that's coming out of the first aerial. The more aerials you have, the more power you can get. So um, could you so, theoretically, what if you built your house and the on every single stud where, you know, a stud where you'd put your drywall to, you just put an aerial on every stud. So you've got, you know, 500 aerials, 600 aerials in your house. Yeah, the trouble is that the stud would probably earth the signal that goes to the aerial. Oh, so you might so have to separate it, them. It, it would probably bypass your rectification system. Also, you'll get much more power out of one of these little um, generators that the South African guy has produced. Um, so it would be easier just to have a whole bank of those. Right, right. Uh, again, again, there are other ways of getting a lot of power. Remember, we've only got as far as um, the fourth item in a list of more than 20. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, so we've got a lot of things. The, the part from, available from these systems goes up as high as one and a half megawatts. Perfect. That's what I can use as a megawatt. Now, that's something with no moving parts. But they're not very keen for you to have something like that. No, you could but, go to war with a bunch of those. Um, yes, but do you want to go to war? Well, no, but isn't that what they're... they got to be thinking about that in some form, you know? Like, at this point, if we really want to uprise, they could put the thumb on us pretty quick. But if we got a bunch of free energy... Well, they have free energy. They use it as well. But anyway, um, okay. There is a guy called Carlos Benitez. He produces a generator system that has two kilowatts of continuous output power. That's enough to run a washing machine. And the way he does it is he produces the power with a circuit and he charges a battery at the same time. And he uses an identical battery to run the system. <laughs> so after you run the system for some time, you swap the batteries over. He thinks in terms of about 12 hours before swapping the batteries. There's, uh, there are two guys in uh, Brazil, Barbosa and Neil. And they have got a 150 kilowatt system. Um, 150,000 watts. Um, so it's, uh, how would we put it? Uh, if you can run a house on five watts, you could run 30 houses wow. on one of their generators. Okay. So their, their system is very simple. They pull the energy directly from the earth and they use a single loop on the system and it's quite neat they have <laughs> they have been attacked quite a lot by the establishment um all sorts of ridiculous charges have been lined up against them wow. because they they do not want barbosa and leal to succeed but they have demonstrated 150 kilowatts being drawn from the earth uh, with a very simple circuit and they've got three patterns out on it, if you want to check them out. So all this stuff so, you're talking about is in your, on your website, right? Oh, yeah. It's in, yeah. It's in the ebook. Yeah. The okay. ebook's about two and a half to 3,000 pages long. Yeah, it's huge. Oh, that's yeah. Awesome. Depending, <laughs> de 
depending on the language. Some of the languages are more wordy than English. Um, okay. Um, is there certain places that are more that you can get more power from the earth or is it anywhere? It's both in the earth and anywhere. We, we live in a, an enormous field. It's like a fish that's surrounded by a mile of water in every direction saying, how do I get water? And we are in an enormously powerful electric uh, or energy field, which is thousands of light years in every direction. And we say, oh, we've got an energy crisis. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly, sure, we've got exactly. an energy. No, but I think, what, I think what Darren was asking is um, these guys in Brazil, for example, getting energy directly from the earth. What if they were over aquifers or, you know, a lot of these ancient megalithic sites are built over over uh, aquifers yeah. like is that does that yeah. make a difference does it make a difference where you would actually put this to, to get no this? not at all no. not at all this is far too powerful an output to be affected by any particular detail of the earth right okay okay yeah, yeah it's it's really major 150 kilowatts is a sizable amount of power yeah really so sizable it, so if someone a car, mix that up could it go like boom no, not at all. Oh, good. It's, it's just current flowing in a wire. But to put it in context, a ca an electric car running along a horizontal surface at 60 miles an hour uses 65 kilowatts to do it. And they're producing 150 kilowatts. At what rate? So, like, does it take, would it take them longer to produce it than the car could expel it? No. Okay. You, you don't understand the concept of kilowatt. Kilowatt is a rate of energy flow. It's not kilowatt per hour, it's kilowatts. Oh, okay. A, okay. Continuous, a continuous flow of 150,000 Oh, so that's when you say that, that's continuous flow. It's not building yes. up to that. That's just yes. there. Holy. So yes. if you yes, started indeed. building it up, you could, you know... Or trans, going through transformers and stuff like that. Like, or is, could you do the same sort of things where... Doesn't even seem like you'd have to, I guess. No, you you don't have to. That's it, when it would go boom. Yeah. Well, no, it doesn't go boom. <laughs> um, the only thing that will go boom is if you do it very <laughs> incautiously. If you try passing 150 kilowatts through uh, a wire that's one millimeter in diameter, the wire is going to burn out because we call those things a fuse. Mm -hmm. You have to have the wire big enough be able to carry that and the wire that they were using i think was about an inch an inch and a quarter in diameter to carry this 150 kilowatts you know it's it's really sizable that's okay really, yeah that's a good point okay let's uh, let's yeah. continue on here this is fascinating okay <laughs> okay <laughs> sorry 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 we keep interrupting you it's just it's just that's really okay. it's really there's so much to cover here like there's all yeah, these different sure. you know yeah so keep yeah. going we're just having a conversation. There's yeah, nothing special. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Moving on to the fifth item. You can guess excess energy by an efficient magnetic transfer. Um, there's a guy called Thane Hines, and he has a transformer that he's built that he has bench tested. Now, in theory, according to the conventional science, you can't get a free meal. You can never get more than 100% out of anything. That's 
compared to what you're putting into it. That, of course, is actually true, but it's only true for symmetrical things. If you have a symmetrical transformer, you can't get more than 100% out of it. If you have Thames-Hines asymmetrical transformer, his bench test showed that he was getting more than 39 times the power out compared to the power in. So it's all a matter of understanding what you're trying to do and doing it properly. Okay. There's a, a famous Indian guy called Tiwari Parashahama, and he has a, a two-and-a-half kilowatt generator. Um, let me rephrase that. He has a, a generator which has two-and-a-half kilowatts of excess power coming out of it. Um, quite simple, and he has a patent on it. There is another guy who's now not with us any longer. He was an engineer. His name was Clement Figura. And he did a 20-kilowatt system, which is very clever. He got his transformer to produce vast amounts of excess energy because he broke it up into three strips. There are three separate strips. Um, there are seven transformers, or electromagnets, if you like, in each strip, and they're organized very cleverly. He's arranged it so that you don't get the dreaded Lenz law loss of energy because he never stops the flow through his transformer components. What he does is he oscillates the degree of current flowing through first the right-hand side then the left-hand side, then the right-hand side, and so on. And he does it all the time, uh, only altering the intensity of the current. And he was able to use a battery to produce 500 volts of very powerful energy to run his house. Um, this is a very clever system. And it's one that's very popular with people who are trying to reproduce it at the moment. Okay, moving on again. Another way of doing it is using very efficient electrolysis for heating and for powering generators. The um, good gentleman in the States, who is uh, Stanley Ayer, who's no longer with us, um, showed on tape a simple system where he used 15-inch stainless steel pipes submerged in water, ordinary tap water, and oscillated them at high frequency to produce vast amounts of both oxygen and hydrogen coming off from the water. Uh, Dave Lawton in Wales was the first person to be able to reproduce that. And he discovered the thing that, um, that our good friend uh, Stanley Mayer didn't mention uh, he kept it as a sort of trade secret. And that is that the pipes that you're using in the water have to be insulated. In fact, one Irish guy even has it so that the uh, electrodes on his system are actually outside the container and never touch the water. 
Well, that's by the way. The amount of oxygen and hydrogen mix that you get from any system is quite large if you do it properly. But the thing is that what people don't seem to understand is that you can use relatively small amounts of hydrogen-oxygen mix to run a standard generator. These are the things that you use for when the mains goes down or if you're running a stall out on a market. These ordinary generators will run very nicely if you put an oxygen-hydrogen mix into the incoming air to the generator and you add in cold water mist. Now, what happens is when the spark comes, the hydrogen-oxygen mix burns and produces a lot of heat. And that heat turns the droplets of water into flash steam, which produces pressure, and your standard generator becomes an internal steam engine, an internal combustion steam engine, and it runs very effectively. Hmm. Now, if you pay attention to conventional scientists, they will tell you this is impossible, couldn't possibly happen. They will say, look, this is the energy that's in hydrogen, and this is the energy that you need to run your engine or your motor, or whatever. It's only 10% efficient. That's very true. It is only 10% efficient. But what they think is that the figures produced by Michael Faraday in his electrolysis demonstration way back when are the be-all and end-all. And in actual fact, we can now produce uh, a gain of 10 to 12 times in efficiency when producing electrolysis. So that pushes the system way over. Then if instead of producing hydrogen and feeding hydrogen and oxygen in separately, you use the hydrogen-oxygen mix that you've just taken out of water, it's in the perfect ratio straight off. And if it's freshly produced, you get about four or five times more energy gain from that mixture than you do from burning hydrogen in air. Wow. Now, this is a major difference. Now, you can either do that. Now, if you're going to do that with a generator, you need to alter the timing because the flame front speed in the hydrogen-oxygen mix is a thousand times faster than the flame front speed in a petrol droplet environment. So the generator has been designed to give the spark before top dead center because the petrol takes a while to get started and actually produce an explosion. That doesn't happen with hydrogen-oxygen. Hydrogen-oxygen mix is very, very fast. So you've got two options. You can either adjust the timing of the spark in your generator, which is perfectly possible, and there's a step-by-step -step instruction in the ebook of exactly to do that. The other alternative is you slow down the flame front speed of the hydrogen-oxygen mix. And you can do that by bubbling the hydrogen-oxygen mix through acetone. The acetone doesn't get used to any extent. So it's just an add-on. And you can use a standard generator, unmodified, to run on what looks to be 
water as the only fuel. And it will generate excess power in the kilowatts range. Just one word in passing, and that is, it looks to run on water. It isn't. It's actually running on the external energy field. That's what's producing the excess energy that actually runs your generator. Wow. Okay. Back to the ether again. Is that what you're saying? Oh, yes. Yes. All free energy comes directly from our surrounding energy field. Everything. There is no, yeah, there's no system that I'm aware of that produces energy itself. You can't actually produce energy. You can't destroy it. The most you can do is convert it from one form to another form. And if you do it right, the change suits you and you can use it to produce useful work. Yeah. Blowing it up. So, so friends, friends of ours, and we've talked about this on the show a little bit, they've been trying to build that, this Keshi, these Keshi devices, like Keshi, uh, you know, went, went, put put all his plans on, uh, out in the public. And can you, can you talk about that thing? Cause that really isn't, I don't think that's referenced on your website at all. And these guys that I know could not, they could not get it to work properly. Yeah. It is actually referenced on my website. Oh, sorry. But, um, it's under the. Uh, cha- it's in chapter nine under passive systems. Oh yeah, right. Okay. Uh, passive systems can be very effective. The trouble is, the passive systems are difficult to get operational. Uh, for instance, there's a device called a Joe cell, and a Joe cell will run a car without any fuel at all, and without being actually pro- properly connected. To the car itself. It concentrates the energy field that surrounds it and passes it through a pipe which nearly connects to the engine but doesn't. The last inch or so is a plastic pipe to stop there being any electrical connection between the Joe cell and the engine. But uh, there's a guy called Bill Williams in the USA um, who was threatened because he adapted his Ford pickup truck, his old one, uh, to run on a Jocelle. And he was announcing this all the time on the various forums. So he was actually physically threatened and his family was physically threatened. But um, he ran his truck for a long time with absolutely spectacular power and no fuel being used at all. The, the energy was being drawn directly from the surrounding energy field. This is a, a system that is not very popular with the powers that be. <laughs> but it, it, the difficulty is that you actually, as a person, have an effect on the energy field near you. And if the Joe cell isn't correctly dimensioned, and the early ones weren't. Um, the name Joe comes from Joe Noble in the States, in Australia. And he uh, made the system popular, but he was working from an earlier patent. And there were three guys, himself and two others, that used stainless steel pipes from their local milk factory uh, to actually build their first Joe cells. Now, those dimensions were wrong, but even with them being wrong, he still uh, was able to run a a car continuously without any form of fuel 
or energy at all. The trouble is, of course, with something like that, it's very difficult to stop the engine um, once you've got it running. I mean, how do you stop it? It's running on nothing. You just got to anyway. throw some something on it, anything, any something. No, it's... <laughs> throw a little water on it? it. No, I wouldn't no. make any odds. It's not using... It's not using anything worth well, speaking of. Well, could you of. just leave it running? Then who cares? You can, yes, but it's going to wear out eventually. <laughs> if it's running day and night. Yeah. Would it be easy to tie in the heating systems and stuff like that too? We're in Canada, so it gets pretty cold. Yes, yes, Perfect. yes, certainly. Perfect. Yes, you can. But the thing is, with uh, a system like that, is you yourself can affect anything that's running uh, on a passive device. Passive device is easily upset by you yourself. And you our, have an effect on it. You mean our, our state, of, our state of being, or, or your field? You just get, you get your field close enough to it. Uh, no, it's your state of being. Oh. Uh, you yourself are powered by this energy field. I know that may sound strange to you, but it's a fact of life. It's like the observer the energy effect, field, but for energy. Yeah, it's not just energy; it's intelligent. And it is life-giving. And you can boost your own personal well-being and life strength by using a passive device, if you wish. Uh, there are various people who have done that, and it's something that's quite simple to do, if you want. But um, people with a, a bad mental attitude can affect a Joe cell from a distance of 100 yards wow. if the Joe cell is incorrectly built. But if you do the, if you use the dimensions that are shown in the ebook, um, yeah, that's not going to happen. The Joe cell shown in the ebook will power your motor quite adequately uh, under all circumstances. Actually, interestingly, following on from the Joe cell design, you can wind uh, three coils, one on top of the other, and attach those to your car engine, and that will improve the operation of the engine. You can shove one wire down to where the dipstick goes, and you touch the, attach the other end to the actual metal of the engine block, and that can give you a 20% fuel improvement on the efficiency of your engine. I know it that. sounds bad. I'm going to try that as soon as I'm off this interview. You should try gas it. is like a buck fifty a liter. Yeah. 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 Have, a, have a look in chapter nine. So You'll find could, it I could just, just do that with Joseph. This is just with a copper wire? Yes. Perfect. Yes, indeed. Where else can I you hook would... up a wire? Can I, can I hook up any wires on my person? Uh, there's no need to. Well, uh, why would you want to do it? Well, because you're talking about then the passive device to, to improve to oh, improve right. Darren's state of being. So we really yeah. need to okay. work on Darren here. I need a wire from the so bottom. Are, of you, are you talking about those quantum um, crystal type devices that you can put that it, that sort of help? Uh, I can't not remember. not really. No. Okay. Not, not really. There there are two things that you can do. You can have a passive device, which is a series of metal and non-metallic layers forming into a box. Um, it's one of the things that William Reich did. Oh, like Orgon? Orgon? It is Orgon. Orgon is one of the names for this universal energy field. Okay. 
But there are various ways you can use the energy field. You can use it from a, a physics point of view for producing power, or you can use it in a passive manner, which is much more difficult and much more easily upset. I mean, to get a Joe cell working properly, it might take you a week to get the actual engine block tuned up to the particular energy flow. But once you have it there, it'll run forever. But the other method of dealing with this is a device which is electronic. It's a twin aerial device where the aerials are circular. It's a multi-wave oscillator system. Circular uh, produced like a, by gen Sorry, circular produced like a tube? Yes, a, a series of curved tubes. Okay. You'll find it in Chapter 20, uh, both how to make it and how to use it and what it does and why. And it's quite simple to do. But it was done by a guy called uh, Lachowski um, some years ago. And all you have to do is sit for 15 minutes between these two particular uh, aerials. One aerial transmits, one receives. And the energy field flows through you, and it's very beneficial. You feel much better uh, if you take uh, a couple of 15-minute sessions in a week. Huh. But, so but the, the thing I was talking about before was just because just I, I want to ask you, because the other guy that we were going to have on about free energy mentioned these pulsers, and, and it's a... Uh, like, I mean, I know it sounds cliche and silly, but it's like a vortex stabilizer pulser. I don't know if you've, have you ever heard of that type of thing? I'm not sure which unit you're actually talking about. Okay. I must admit. So yeah, you'd yeah. have to say, no, I don't know. It. Okay. Okay, cool. I'll, okay. uh, maybe I'll send you the link <laughs> later and just to get your feedback on it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Certainly. Okay. okay Sorry. Uh, keep uh, going. Yeah, sure. Sure. Um, the, the other thing though, on this sort of arrangement is that um, <clears throat> you can use pulse systems very effectively. Um, in the early years, I was persuaded to pay attention to some people who said, oh, this is impossible. You could possibly do this. This violates the laws of physics. There are no laws of physics, and any law that has ever been specified has been broken, as far as I'm aware. But anyway, um, the, if you have a coil wire and you pass a current through it, when you cut the current off, you get a reverse voltage spike, which is very much bigger than the current that was flowing through it before. Mm. Now, I, in my ignorance, like to call that the back electromotive force. People hate that term. So let me just for the moment call it a reverse voltage spike. But if you have, say, a 12-volt battery powering an oscillating system that drives a coil, that coil will generate more than 200 volts of back energy pulses. Now, those 200-volt pulses are very effective at charging a battery. And one of the reasons for that is the voltage pulse is produced by electrons. Electrons are very small and very light. So they start flowing back down a wire to the battery you're trying to charge. But the battery you're trying to charge holds electricity in 
typically lead ions in a solution inside the battery for a lead acid battery. And the lead ions are so much heavier than electrons that they don't move as fast. So initially, in the first split second, you get a big buildup of electrons trying to get into the battery, but the battery isn't really accepting them that fast. So the voltage builds up and up and up and up, and that represents a much higher current charge into the battery. But it's only for a split second. Now, the thing is, with a sensible battery system, you repeat that thousands of times a second. So a good battery charging system, like, for instance, Alex Core produces in Russia, will give, say, 237,000 pulses every second. And just in the split second where those pulses start, you get a big charging current. Mm. For example, um, Alex Core's circuit is driven, his initial first circuit is driven by a 555 timer chip. Very simple. And one guy emailed me to say that he'd built this thing. Now, he had a battery and he used to charge it with the mains unit. But then he decided that he would power Alex Core's circuit with his mains unit and use the circuit to charge the battery. And he found that the battery charged in half the time. Now, what he didn't discover, but is true, is that the pulsing charge of the battery actually lengthens the life of the battery indefinitely. So he doesn't have to replace his battery after four years. But that's the way that the system operates. But as I was saying, in the early stages, people tried to persuade me that free energy was just impossible. So I built a very simple circuit in one evening. I used a plastic ring, which was about eight inches across, and I wound ordinary wire that I bought in the local hardware shop around this to form two continuous bifilar coils around the entire width of this, or the entire circumference of this particular plastic ring. And then I used one transistor, one diode, and one uh, resistor to actually drive the circuit. And I used two small lead-acid batteries, one to drive the circuit and one to be charged. So I charged one with the other, then I swapped the batteries over, did it again, swapped the batteries over, did it again. And after doing that, with no other input than those two batteries, both batteries had much more usable, genuine power in them than when we started. Now that settled the argument as far as I was concerned. If you have two batteries and you can gain power in both batteries by just running a circuit with them, there is no question in my mind that free energy is genuine. Hmm. You still with me? You yeah. bet. That's yeah. It's 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 okay. uh, yeah. It's interesting. Okay. So you've that's, experimented. That's, so you've experimented with a lot of this yourself, even just even in an evening. Well, you put like some weekend, of this stuff but together. You couldn't download the book, could you? Well, you have to do is through special. You need special uh, downloading uh, capabilities. No, you don't. No, you don't. It's, it's just an ordinary. Big. It's a PDF file. It'll download in about five minutes or less. I, I figured. You know, I should have known better. Graham was saying okay. he was having trouble downloading it, but I'm going to download it on my on my uh, laptop. It's yeah, my, it well, could be my computer's. I, I work with a laptop. 
and I generate it, upload it, and download it with the laptop. And it takes me three minutes to upload it. But anyway, the circuit I was talking about is called FLEET. And it was produced by a Chinese guy called Lawrence Chung, the same guy who was dealing with the magnetic frame earlier on. But um, this is a, a common technique for gaining power. And it's that sort of power that's been used in the 150-watt South African generator. It all depends on the way that you actually use what you know. If you understand what you're doing, then the solutions are up to you. You can do lots of different things. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm talking an awful lot for you. No, that's, that's perfect. Are you okay? Yeah, no, it's good. I, I just, I, we should probably keep going um, on your, if you want to keep talking about the different types and get to the 20 and then yeah. we can get, and then I'd like to ask you some more kind of deeper overarching questions about, about why we're still living in this paradigm that we are, where none of this is really accepted. So <laughs> do, do you want to, yeah. do you want to continue on with the different types to, to finish that off? I don't mind. Okay. Let's, do, whatever that. You let's wish. do that. Yeah. It's really interesting. Okay. Um, <clears throat> all right. So the pulsing of a coil is a motionless circuit and there are lots of those. Um, we had an efficient magnetic transfer with transformers. We had efficient electrolysis driving generators. Uh, incidentally, you can get very nice heating without a flame using a catalytic converter and passing the uh, hydrogen-oxygen mix directly through the catalytic converter. It produces heat without a flame, which is quite neat. But... Um, Anyway, moving on from that, um, you get effective battery charging, both with the fleet thing that I described and with various many systems that Alex Core provides and with the John Bedini type system where you have movement in it. Mm -hmm. But that's very effective methods for battery charging. Now, the interesting thing is you can take one 12-volt 8 amp hour battery and use it to charge four 12 volt 12 amp hour batteries at the same time. So you put the 12 volt large batteries in series to form a 48 volt battery and you can charge that very happily and quite quickly using a smaller 12 volt battery. And there are lots of different ways of doing that, and it's very neat. Um, and obviously, I don't have to remark to you that you can take one of the four batteries that you just charged and use it to charge four others, and so on. So you can have as much charging as you want without any connection to the mains or any solar panel or anything like that. Batteries on their own, with a circuit, can produce spectacular results. You can also do a more difficult thing, and that is producing energy from permanent magnets on their own. <coughs> Pardon me. Um, a guy called Yildiz produced a 300-watt motor, which you find in videos on the web. Um, <coughs> there's another guy called Diamar Hall, H-O-H-L. 
And he <clears throat> has given the dimensions that you need to use, or that you can use if you want, to produce a V-shape on a cylinder, one that will rotate forever and ever if you do it right. Now, there's a guy in Denmark who is very, uh, how would you put it? He's very inventive. And he took the information on Paul's motor and he built one in half an hour using bits and pieces that were lying around. Now, the whole motor requires two magnets in each slot and angles at a particular angle. He used one magnet and he didn't angle it and it still ran very nicely for him. But then he's one of those sort of people who likes fooling around with aerials and the like. Okay, Howard Johnson produced a nice motor uh, powered by magnets only and he got it working very nicely and there was an article in a magazine done on it. He then tried producing a version, a pre-production prototype. Boom, 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 boom. <sighs> oh. What's the new one? Or rather, you guys lost your internet. I still have internet. So is he still on your phone then, or? I don't know. Um, oh, oh, you're back. That's weird. How is he back? The same applies to copper to a lesser degree. Brass you get away with, no problem. Um, but you cannot afford to just casually use aluminium, or as Americans say, aluminum, uh, in construction without paying attention to what you're doing. It just doesn't work. You can actually use thick layers of aluminum to give you um, screening on a permanent magnet motor, or a permanent magnet itself. You can screen a magnetic field with thick layers of aluminum. Okay, the another one is, <laughs> I'm afraid I can't give you the exact details. I can show you the patent and the diagrams in the patent. It was produced by a guy called Shen He Wang, or people say Wang Shen He, whichever you prefer. And he's produced a series of permanent magnet motors, motor generators. His first one was one kilowatt. His second one was five kilowatts. And his further ones were 100 kilowatts. Wow. And he wanted to give the design freely to 159 different countries, to the governments, so that they could make it freely and have free energy. Unfortunately, he was naive. Governments do not want free energy. What happened governments, to him? Yeah, I'm sure he's fine. They're using his motor to replace the coal-generated power stations in China. So what used to run on coal is now running on his permanent magnet motor generators. But the thing is, governments don't want free energy. They make a lot of money by taxing oil and getting kickbacks from oil companies. So 
it's like coming up to a government and saying, uh, wouldn't you like to support me building this? This will put you out of business, but uh, wouldn't you like to pay for it? And the answer, unfortunately, is usually no, we don't want to pay for it. Go away. So his shit generators are very effective. They use a magnetic liquid, uh, which is magnetic particles suspended in a liquid, and they're very straightforward. There are other types, but um, let me move on because. Sure, yeah, yeah. How much time do we have left? As much as you need. About, yeah, we got about 45 minutes actually, Darren. Do you, do, yeah, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. Let me roll on then. Yeah, sure. Um, an easier way of doing it, though, uh, permanent magnets only are difficult to get operational. The easy way to do it is you use permanent magnets with electricity. Um, Robert Adams has a generator, which is very like the South African generator, only it's a whole stage or a whole generation further on. Robert Adams produces at least eight times as much energy out as it goes in. But his system is advanced. He has a rotor with four magnets in it. He's got two electromagnets on the outside. And the electromagnets on the outside produce the main rotation of the rotor. Initially, two of the magnets on the rotor are attracted to the drive electromagnets, which have got an iron core. So it's a straight attraction between a permanent magnet and an iron piece of iron. As the magnets and the rotor approach the drive magnets themselves, the windings on the drive electromagnets generate voltage. And that voltage is rectified and taken off and fed into a drive battery. And when the magnets align exactly with the core of the drive electromagnets on the outside, a small amount of current is fed into those windings, just enough to offset the attraction of the rotor magnet to the iron core. The current that's fed in does not drive the rotor in any form or fashion. Hmm. It merely offsets the cogging motion or the backward drag, if you prefer, of the magnets in the rotor until they've gone past. When you cut off the current to the drive motors, because they're coils, you get a big reverse voltage spike, which is then rectified and passed back to the drive battery. Now, that's the main drive operation of the rotor. There are then four additional electromagnets spaced equally around the circumference of this rotor. The four electromagnets that are used for output are surprisingly disconnected nearly all the time. Now, this sounds mad. You wouldn't expect an output coil to be disconnected. But it is. It's disconnected except for one very small arc of rotation. The arc could be like 2.7 degrees of rotation. Very tiny. Now, one guy who built a slightly larger version with the 2.7 
uh, connection of the output coils. He had an input of uh, less than 60 watts and an output of 33 and a bit kilowatts, which, which is quite a gain. But leaving that aside for the moment, let's go on with the operation of how this thing works. What happens is, uh, as the coil, sorry, as the magnet on the rotor approaches the output coil, it generates a voltage in the output coil, but that voltage doesn't produce a current and it doesn't produce a magnetic field until you connect the output. When you connect the output, you get a big dose of current coming on your output circuit, then you cut it off. And your cutting it off produces a large reverse voltage spike. So you get that pulse, that pulse technique in there and then as well. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. The pulse technique is more advanced in that because it's in the reverse direction, it produces a magnetic field that opposes the magnet on the rotor. And that pushes the rotor on its way. Hmm. So instead of dragging it back, it pushes it on. But you've now got a nice juicy voltage spike in your coil. So you rectify that and you pass that back to the drive battery. And by doing that, you gain 95% of the drive current back. So your drive is now down to 5% of what it would have been. And this is how you get an enormously greater output than you do input. Wow. Now, Robert Adams was 70 years old when he produced this design. The part of the bee came to him and said, look, if you don't destroy this and stop talking about it, we will kill you. So he had to think about that, and he said, well, I'm 70 years old, so I haven't that much to lose. So he published his design. And it's a very, very effective design, that. It's the most popular design uh, described on my video channel. It's got, let me think, what is 124,000 views in the last four months or so. Okay, moving on then. Charles Flynn has a very nice motor, which works in a totally different way. What he does is he has a circular permanent magnet, which has got a north pole on one circular face and a south pole on the other side of the circular face. So if you put it on a table, there will be a south pole facing upwards and a north pole facing downwards. But what, what he does is he produces a rotor above that, a rotor which is just two magnets. Now, because it's two magnets, those magnets are attracted to the circular disk permanent magnet, which is the stator. But because all parts of the circular magnet are attracting all parts of the rotor magnet, there's no inclination for it to rotate at all. So what he does is he surrounds the top surface of his permanent stator magnet, which is circular, with seven different coils. And when he wants this thing to move, he powers up one of those coils. One of the coils being powered makes the pull on the rotor magnet unbalanced. There's no pull on one side, and there is a pull on the other side. 
So the rotor starts turning towards the side that has a pull. But as soon as it gets there, you disconnect that particular coil and you connect the next one along. And that pulls the rotor further around. And you keep doing that continuously in a circular motion and that produces a circular rotation of the rotor. Now that's okay as a general principle. You can then improve it by putting a second perm magnet and seven coils above the rotor so that you've got it on both sides. So you get twice the power by doing that. But you don't have to stop there. That's one layer. You can do another layer on the same shaft of the rotor. And the shaft of the rotor is a motor's output shaft. And if you power a system like that, he used a 9-volt dry battery to power it. And he got a motor that was rotating at 20,000 revs per minute. Very powerfully. <laughs> and a motor of that type can be made any size you like because you just add extra sections on. So it's up to you how big you want it to be or how powerful you want it to be. Very simple design, no moving parts other than the output power shaft. Wow. Very clever. And that's just from a 9-volt battery? Uh, yes, yes. You don't have to use a 9-volt battery. You can use the motor then to power a generator, a big powerful generator, and you can take a little part of the generator part off to run the system. I mean, all of these systems with more output power than input power can be powered by using a little of the output power to provide the input. It's 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 incredible that that these like we're they're in BC, close to where we live, about I don't know, ten hour drive, I guess. Yeah. It's, uh, well, it's not too close in in UK terms because that would be all the way across your island, but. But uh, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, they're building a dam that's probably six billion dollars for a hydroelectric dam, and yeah. you know, and then you here you're talking about all these simple solutions. It's amazing what we're what we're you know what we're still going through. Yeah, well, I like hydroelectric schemes. I'm a civil engineer, so I highly approve of hydroelectric. Um, they're a good system, yeah, and they produce power very readily. And they even have the potential of evening out the terrible discrepancy between daytime electrical requirement and nighttime electrical requirement. And you can do that by reversing some of the motors and pumping water back up into the reservoir, which is quite a neat way of dealing with it. Huh. Anyway, now let's move on. Okay. There's another guy called Stephen Cundell who has got a permanent magnet and electric motor. And the way that he operates it is, he moves the stator magnets so that there's always a pull on the rotating output shaft. And he wobbles that um, rotor drive magnet system backwards and forwards using a loudspeaker. So effectively, he feeds an electronic tone into the motor to control the speed. And it gives you output power, which comes from permanent magnets, which is quite neat. Donald Kelly, who's about well, 20 years older than me, and is probably no longer with us, has a similar system, but he uses a row of uh, external V-shaped magnets that he waggles. 
he moves them backwards and forwards with a little motor. And that, again, moves the stator magnet so that the rotor magnet always has drive power applied to it. So those are magnet systems with electricity. They're much easier to organize than permanent magnet-only motors. Mm. Um, okay, you've got then passive devices. One of them has got... 1,500 kilowatts. So what's a passive device? Uh, it means there's no moving parts. Uh, That's what passive means. Sit passive means, yeah, passive means it's motionless. Um, Perfect. It, it doesn't have any, it's like an aerial. An aerial doesn't have any moving parts. And technically it's a passive device. Okay? Yep. A battery, a battery is an active device. A capacitor is a passive device. A resistor is a passive device. Um, a uh, car engine. dam is not. The dam itself is passive. The turbines that the water spins around are active. I get it. But the dam itself doesn't move. The water flows past the dam, down a pipe, and spins the turbine. The turbine is an active device, produces electricity, spins round and round. The dam itself is motionless, and provided it doesn't break, it doesn't move. Okay? Yep. I think I've lost you anyway. There's a guy called Dr. Oleg Gritskevich, and he produced a relatively large toroid. I think it was about seven feet tall and about a foot across. And it generated one and a half megawatts of power continuously two years. You had to get the water spinning initially. His particular circular donut-shaped device was coated on the inside with a chemical and it took a large uh, army-sized generator to get the thing going initially but once it was going the only thing moving in it was the water wow and sorry uh no i just exclaiming that that's quite that sounds quite amazing yeah and he ran that for two years non-stop um the details are in chapter five but it has disappeared and I don't hear anybody saying anything about it anymore. But it ran solidly for two years, producing one and a half megawatts, or if you prefer, 1,500 kilowatts. Wow. You just got to jumpstart it with a big jolt of conventional power. Uh, it's not just the power. There was, I think it was um, an army-sized pump to get the water oh, spinning. Yeah, right. Uh, but it was a really big one, a really big pump. This is a big device. Um, the, cell, the whole thing itself was very neat. And it had electrodes stuck in the outside rim. And that produced the power that was drawn off to run equipment. The other thing in the passive devices category would be the Joe cell, which we've mentioned before to a certain degree. It's several concentric stainless steel tubes filled with what was used to be thought of as 
um, processed water. But with the right dimensions, any water does and becomes fully processed straight off. Again, the only way you could stop a Joe cell operating, if it's correctly built, is to physically take it apart. You can't stop it otherwise. It continuously flows far through it, uh, giving you a com completely self-contained output. But to run a motor or run a generator, you can do what you like with it. But it is just a concentrator of the energy field. In passing, permanent magnets are a concentrator of the energy field. They are room temperature um, superconductors of magnetic force, which is quite interesting. Mm. Okay, let's move on again. The next category is inertia. James Hardy has a very neat video on the web showing his patented water jet generator. And what he does is he uses a water pump, a high-speed water pump, to produce a powerful jet of water. He aims the water jet onto a water wheel. The water wheel spins a generator. The generator powers the water pump and other things. That's quite neat. And it shows on the video he's powering a light bulb as well as running the system south part. So that's one of the things that's been done. John Bedini had another system. Excuse me just a moment. No sweat. John Bedini. Was he just, Italian? Just, he was uh, not Italian. Oh, shit. He was Brazilian? American. Oh. No, American. I'm racist, sorry. That's okay. I have no objection to being racist. Um... He had what I consider a dangerous device, but it had a considerable excess output compared to input. And what he did was he produced a flywheel with magnets in and a stator with coils opposite the magnets. And he spun the wheel to produce output electrical power, which powered the drive motor that spun the flywheel and he used the output to charge a lead-acid battery. Now, the thing that bothers me is the way that he was using it to charge the battery relied on him getting a resonant frequency with the battery. And he very wisely says in his write-up on it, be careful, this battery could explode. And he's quite right, it could explode. It is, in my opinion... A dangerous way to do anything. But that's using the inertia of the flywheel um, to give an energy gain which is converted to electricity. There is a much more simple and reliable method of doing that done by Chas Campbell in Australia. He's an elderly gentleman and he has what's effectively a self-powered flywheel. Um, he has videos of it on the web, and there are photographs all over the place. And what he does is he uses an ordinary mains electric motor. He powers it up. It spins at 1,500 RPM. And he gears it up through a series of axles, one of which has got a 10-kilogram um, flywheel on it. And he feeds the flywheel output through a step-up gearing 
to drive a generator at 3,000 RPM. And he then takes, once it's running, he takes the output from the generator and replaces mains with the output from the generator. And he can drive power tools directly from his self-powered system. And that's a very simple and straightforward method Mm. of gaining power from energy. Quite neat, quite simple. So could that theoretically be used to keep a car moving then? Like once you got your car, like just say I got my car up to 3,000 RPM, can it just take over itself? You'd have to have a pretty big flywheel in there probably then. No, no, it's, it's not practical for a car. The output on this generator is maybe one kilowatt, two kilowatts. And you need like 70 kilowatts to run a car well. So his system is not suitable as it stands for using in a mobile device. So he uses it in his garage to power other equipment. Okay, the systems are taking power directly from the ground. We've mentioned Barbosa and Lille. Mm -hmm. They're pulling like 170 kilowatts directly from the ground. They've got 102.4 times more power coming out of their system than going into it to power it, which is quite impressive. There's a guy from years gone by called Frank Prentice, and he produced a 3-kilowatt system. Um, The coefficient of performance is 6. He is getting 6 times more power out than he was putting in. So he was putting in half a kilowatt, and he was getting three kilowatts out, Hmm. which was quite neat. Now, he used what he called a horizontal aerial, or a ground aerial. He was um, a train railway line worker, and he used aerials which were put along the train track for like half a mile, and they'd fit into the ground and back out of the ground and through a circuit to give himself the energy gain. That's an interesting system and unusual. There are other ways of doing it, and as mad as it sounds, the French guy called Michael M, E-M-M-E, and he is an earth battery which produces three kilowatts of continuous power. What he does is he drives earthing rods into a large section of earth, I think he uses about 20 from memory. And he wires those up and connects them. Then he digs little pits in the earth to form containers for liquid. He then puts in two different dissimilar metals. One is steel and one is typically magnesium. And he dampens the ground down and he gets the thing running and keeps it damp for a day or two. And it will run continuously as long as you keep the ground dampened, giving you three kilowatts of output power. It's an earth battery system, but it's a very effective one in reasonable size. Like I say, three kilowatts will run a washing machine. Okay, moving on again. Uh, I think we'll need to stop some stage soon, but this is only item number 13. And that's using radioactive materials. There's an outfit or a pair of people called, one was called Coleman, one is called Seddon Gillespie. And they produced a very tiny 
one kilowatt output battery which operate for 70 years. And what they do is they fill a tiny tube, a glass type tube. Well, strictly speaking, it's actually quartz tube, but that doesn't matter. Fills it with a series of small amounts of zinc um, and other chemicals like that. They then feed an electronic signal to the tube for a few seconds, and the tube becomes um, electric. The tube becomes radio uh, active for about an hour. So he has it surrounded by lead, and he uses the radioactivity to generate output power. So he manages to get a one kilowatt output power for an hour from a few seconds of input radio signal. So he just keeps doing that, and you can get a kilowatt of power, they reckon, for 70 years. Is that I don't dangerous at all? No, it's not. It's, it's completely shielded. This is a tiny thing, like two or three inches across. Oh, yeah, I can scale that easily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's, it's, it's tiny, tiny. So if you wanted to scale it up, you just use lots of them. But then, then you'd be using a lot more radiation. No, each one each one is is con- covered by lead. Each one is is insulated by lead. You get no radiation out of it. The radiation is inside it. Okay. And the radiation goes away after an hour anyway. Oh, okay, you have yeah, to restart. Right. So you wouldn't get you them if you were building them. You wouldn't even give them to the public till the radiation was gone. No, it's not like that. It's quite safe for the public to use it. You just enclose it in a box. And with your automatic circuit, you give it a boost every 55 minutes or so. So what are the remaining ones that you have to talk about? Is there, is there one that's sort of um, you'd like to address more? I, I, just, I just read through. You find them in the introduction, the okay. ebook. Yep. It actually lists them all and tells you the chapters you'll find them in. Um, The other things are this isotope exchange. Two French guys, one called Mayer, one called Mace, use just an iron bar, and they can produce a kilowatt of output power by oscillating it at high frequency. Then there's a system called splitting the positive. And Clement Figura produced a five-kilowatt generator um, by dividing um, a transformer into three separate parts. Then there's another type, which is magnetic coupling. And uh, a guy called Raoul Hetum um, has produced a very neat system whereby he uses a motor to spin a disc. And the disc has got neodymium magnets around the outside in rows of three or four at an angle. And he then puts four or five generators with similar uh, matching disks and neo-magnets around them. And when the, ra- when the motor spins, it causes the generators all to spin through magnetic connection. And that spinning magnetic connection generates excess power. 
and he's said to have powered hotels using it. <laughs> I personally, I've never seen it myself, but you see pictures of it in the ebook. Wow! I was able to get the ebook downloaded on my phone. Good, good, awesome. <laughs> so, so um, you mentioned a couple times the powers that be and people being threatened and yeah, and this type of threatened. And yeah, has it ever happened to you? I mean, have you ever had to worry about this? You're you're collating all their information in one little spot here. Is that something you'd have to worry about? I don't think so, because there's no great advantage to doing me harm once the information is published. If I'm harmed after publishing information, it immediately gives it a lot of credibility. Yeah, yeah it's like a dead, hoping, dead man switch kind of, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're hoping that people won't believe what I say. There are other things anyway. We just four more. One oh, is okay. inert gas motors. We actually can use air, but they use refined air gas. One engine by Joseph Papp. He used a Volvo 90 horsepower engine, and it produced 300 horsepower for 40 minutes demonstration indoors with no air intake and no exhaust output. The thing is a sealed-off engine. Okay, the next thing is optical amplification. A guy called Pavel Imres is getting nine times more visual output or light output than electrical input through his optical amplifier, which is just a tiny uh, device. <coughs> Pardon me. So that means like you can make a f super good flashlight with just an itty bitty battery. No, you can you can light a whole building. Oh, with I'm with always thinking <laughs> way too small, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, no, you can you can run like twenty or thirty large um, uh, tubes, lighting tubes. Wow. Um, directly in the for the the cost of a ninth of that. Um. Then the friction. Paul Bowman uh, produced a test taker using a Wimshurst machine. It produces out eight, three kilowatts of output power and is used by a religious commune in Switzerland. But he will not give the details of exactly how it does it. Hmm. And there is so much speculation as to how it operates. But it does work. And so the thing is, you take the output from a simple electrostatic device and you can produce electromagnetic power in large amounts and the last one is piezoelectricity like you use in um, a lighter and there's a guy called Michael Ognev who uses a semiconductor to produce a 10 watt output battery just by oscillating a semiconductor right now let me stop and you can hit me with questions. All right. No, I mean, that was fantastic. All the different types. So, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I wanted to, to ask you about, you know, I, I listened to your, or I read your, your website. I didn't go through the whole ebook, but, you know, you, you do mention people getting killed for bringing this stuff up. I mean, I, I have a few questions for you. Like, first of sure. all, since you've been doing this since the 80s, have you noticed a big difference lately in the last five or ten years where the stuff is starting to open up? I mean, do you have hope for the that this is going to leak into our paradigm and change um, the way we use energy? Um, I guess yes. that, that's kind of a question. But then 
you know, people have been threatened. I mean, this is, I, I have another comment about, I think it's beyond gas and oil. I feel like there's a breakaway civilization. I mean, I'm going to get a little crazy here on the conspiracies okay. and stuff, but there's a breakaway civilization using this technology or, or bits. And I don't mean this technology, but, um, you know, obviously finely tuned um, technologies from these simple, simple things. And they're, and they're, Are they Nazis. No, I mean, there, there's people flying around in UFOs up there. And there's, there's, there's people that, um, I think this technology is being used and that that's more of why they don't want us to have it. It's gas and oil seems like a distraction to me that there's, there's another reason why. Yeah. The other reason why is control of people. Well, not that fussed about the UFOs. though. admittedly that technology is related to the free energy technology. Yeah. But you are asking me, was I interfered with? And the answer is yes, to a certain degree, but not directly. I've had, about six websites destroyed, taken down. And when I put them back up, they managed to disconnect me from the server system. Wow. So I then started having to pay for websites, which is not, not a bad thing. And <clears throat> another thing then that happened even with paid websites was though somebody in London managed to compromise my email system. They intercepted me emails so that they didn't reach me. And they wrote back to my contacts in my name, uh, being very obnoxious, oh, telling them telling them that I didn't want to talk to them. They weren't good enough to talk to. Hmm. So I ended up putting a note on the front of my ebook saying, look, if anybody is, if you've emailed me and haven't had a reply or have had a, a nasty reply, I can assure you it didn't come from me. So that's because my emails have been uh, compromised. So that, those are the things that have been done to me. Uh, I haven't been physically threatened. Mm. It wouldn't really matter very much if I was, because it wouldn't alter anything. You'd but keep anyway. pushing forward. I respect that. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, the other thing then is the people who are at risk are the people who want to make and sell these things to the public. Yeah. That's a no-no. They don't want that to happen. What about just so, make? No, they don't mind people making the things. Because then they can they don't take it over. Because they, they're waiting for the really well, just, good if inventions. If I make one, so it's just going to be in my backyard for my own shit, you know? I don't need to be getting attacked or yeah. in any trouble. Yeah. Well, I'll just go no, off the, the grid and build a thing. Yeah, yeah, you go off the grid and sell uh, replications to your friends and neighbors, but you don't go advertising it. And you don't do what the Lutec guys did in Australia and said, we're very good. We have produced this generator and we're going to sell it. And this is what it looks like. And we'd be up and ready to sell it now in three months time. And of course, they've never been heard from since. It was a rip-off anyway, because what they were doing is they were ripping off Robert Adams's motor. Um, he didn't like that at all, and he grumbled a lot about it. Wow. But they never made it. You can't be an inventor and announce beforehand what you're going to do. What you do is you do it and start shunting it out and hope that they don't notice for a while. Then the more that you get out, the more difficult it is. 
This is why a simple device like the South African generator, which produces 150 watts, is a useful thing to have because it starts people thinking, if this unit here can produce 150 watts continuously with no input at all, why do I have to pay for electricity? Yeah, because you're a slave. <laughs> yeah, but I didn't know I was a slave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, at least I knew that part. <laughs> yeah. No, the, the people who really matter are the people who are killed off. One of them was Floyd Sweet, who found a way to oscillate the poles on a permanent magnet and extract very large amounts of electricity. He had a gain of one and a half million, typically, on his systems. And um, he was shot at and luckily tripped up just as he was shot at, and the bullet passed where his head was a second before. And that frightened him for a while. Then he decided he would go ahead and get his unit uh, marketed, and he never made it. Uh, I have no doubt whatsoever in my mind that he was actually physically killed. He was murdered because of it. There are quite a number of people who have been murdered. Oh, yeah. But they're the people who are effective. These are inventors. There are people like that. Now, for instance, the guy who produced the split transformer, um, he died five days after patenting the final version and selling it off to his solicitor. Now, maybe that was just very convenient timing. It's a synchro. I don't know. Um, but they, the people who are really good and important never ever seem to make it if you think you're going to get rich by making free energy devices i think you're kidding yourself what you can do is you can invent and produce effective devices and then publish the information yeah. so that anybody can do it yeah yeah trying to get a patent is a waste of time they will say oh there is no such thing as a free energy machine it contravenes the laws of physics it doesn't actually, but uh, they think that it does, or at least they say that it does. So the people in the various patent offices, which are private companies, incidentally, nothing to do with governments, uh, those people have got a direct instruction from the top saying, you must not patent anything that appears to produce more energy than the input. That's impossible. You mustn't do it. Add it to the list of things that are impossible that you mustn't do. Yeah. So <laughs> what about, have you studied the, the, the people behind these inventions at all? Like, is there any anomalous, um, like, are they all just coming up with this on their own? Is there any evidence of downloads or contact from other dimensions or entities? Anything really strange like that? I don't think so. I think the people come up with it pretty much on their own. Yeah. There, there is some information passed down, but it tends to get passed down to people who are not really into doing anything about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which, 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 which is a waste of time. No, I've, I've documented a number of uh, inventions where the inventor doesn't want his name shown or seen anywhere. So I've uh, documented it and published it as being uh, from an inventor who wishes to remain anonymous. There have been a few of those. 
it normally takes five goals to get that right because they, they tell me how it works and I write down what I think they said. I pass it back to them to check. They say, no, no, that, that's wrong. You don't do that, you do this. So I rewrite it, give it back to them, and they say, oh, I'm sorry, I got it wrong. I didn't mention the fact that such and such. So I do the third version, pass it back to them, and they say, well, that's better, but it's not quite right. And I then modify it a fourth time, pass it back to them. Then they say, that's pretty good, but you should really say something else as well. That's this. So I put in the this and send it back to them the fifth time. And then they usually say, oh, that, that's fine. That's exactly right. And that's the point when I publish it. Huh. Bingo, bango. So that's typical. It's usually five times. Yeah. Wow. That's a lot of work. So you just do all this to just to bring this information to the public and your ebook is for free, right? It's just. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. I put it together originally for myself because I was researching the subject. Yeah. yeah. But then it occurred to me that it would be helpful to other people if they had all this stuff collected in one place. So I put it together. And yes, I put it out for anybody to download if they want. I really don't care. We appreciate I'm not that. Interested yeah, it's very helpful. I mean, we, we try to talk to people about free energy and they just still don't get that it's possible even. And, you, and oh, I try and bring up a few devices, but yeah, yeah. Great diagrams, yeah. pictures. Is, is any of this built off of Tesla's stuff directly or did that all get confiscated by the FBI at the time or whoever was in charge? Well, Tesla showed principles and techniques. So while none of it is directly based on something that Tesla designed as such, it uses the principles that te Tesla described. Um, but it's free in my ebook because I'm not interested in money at all. People occasionally write and say, I'd like to make a donation to you <laughs> to cover the cost. But then I have to write back and say, well, it doesn't cost anything to produce it. And doesn't cost anything to do YouTube videos. And producing website material uh, is almost free. It doesn't cost anything worth speaking of. So there's no real cost. So there's nothing to support. So thank you very much. But, you know, that's it. Well, that's very good of you. I mean, it does cost for bandwidth and internet connection. I mean, there are some indirect costs there for sure. Well, I would have those anyway. Yeah, true. Yeah. It's commendable. Well, yeah. We appreciate that. Yeah. We also appreciate you staying up late, uh, later than we had planned on to, to squeeze this in and still going for two hours. That's awesome. It's, it's only 10 o'clock here, yeah. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> Is that's there anything it. you think we need to cover before we uh, wrap it up? Not really. Um, you might want to have another session some stage when you get the questions from the people yeah. who hear what you say. Yeah. It's quite normal to get quite a lot of questions. Yeah, for and, sure. And you generally find it beneficial to have those questions answered directly. You can answer them yourself, certainly, if you want to. But uh, it's generally easier to just get somebody else to answer them for you. Yeah. Yep. That's, well, a that's good what idea. we'll do. Maybe we'll yep. revisit this in a couple of months. Yeah. And when we've wrapped our head around it a little bit more as well, I mean, it's just a fantastic thing that you're doing and bringing all this together into one spot. And you can just point, we can point people in this direction. They can do all the research themselves. And it just shows you how 
how false the paradigm is that we're living in. You know, the science just saying that none of this, everybody in school, I mean, all the stuff, it's just... It's just completely wrong, and you got you've shown here with all these different examples, uh, all these different ways. So, I mean, there's multiple examples in each category that that uh, that obviously can, that are happening now and can happen in the future. So, I think it's a, just a great great service that you've done. Thank you. There are 150, more than 150 different devices in the ebook. I'm interested to hear that you downloaded it onto a phone. It wasn't envisaged that it would go on a phone. I'd be quite interested to discover from you later on um, if you found it viable on your phone. I reckon that um, a pad would be the oh, smallest yeah, it would, device. It, it would be better on a. It would be better on a tablet for sure. I mean, I can do quite a bit on my phone, what, but it would be better on a. What tablet. is it in your ebook? In, in your iBooks? It's in my PDFs. Oh, yeah. it's in your PDFs. Yeah iBook PDF. So you could put that in your voice dream app and no, have it you read to you. No, you, you could, there's no way you're having this shit read to you by your voice dream app. There's too many diagrams and no, I would just make yeah. a total mess of it. Yeah. You also, you also have it in EPUB format. All right, good. Bingo, it's, bango. It's in, it's in HTML format, PDF format, and EPUB format in five languages. Wow, good for you. But I, I'm afraid the four translations aren't aren't good, because I only speak English. Huh. Have you seen Have you seen an increase in the receptivity to this in the last five years or so? Oh, enormously! Yes, yeah. yes, enormously. The amount of information on free energy on YouTube has gone up exponentially. Wow, that's great. Well, we'll link to all that stuff in the show notes and hopefully get you a little bit more traffic and then we'll we'll keep in touch and maybe in two or three months we'll do this again yeah, and yeah. do a question session. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, there's one item that you should take a look at. You'll find it in Chapter 4. It's a simple design by Donnie Watts, D-O-N-N-I-E-W-A-T-T-S. It's a simplified version of the Clem engine. It doesn't need any fuel of any sort. It operates on water. It's exponential. So you have to have a valve to turn it down to make sure it doesn't destroy itself. And it has unlimited power output. Wow, that's great. And it's simple. No electronics. Perfect. All right, so check out Chapter 4. Yeah, look look for Donny Watts. The ebook has got bookmarks about 400 bookmarks. So if you click on the bookmarks tab, uh, you'll be able to go straight to wherever you want. You can, of course, search as well. I mean, if you go to edit, find, and type in Donny Watts, it'll winch through all the pages till it hits it. All right. Perfect. But well, it's hopefully quicker. everyone will enjoy that. And it's 2,500 pages, so it's definitely going to take you a little while to get through. Yeah, the trouble is I keep trying to cut it down in size because it's too big. It puts people off. I could see yeah, that. Yeah, it almost has to be like 10 separate 250-page books. Like you can almost Couple have one on every chapter. You, yeah, you, you can download each chapter individually if you want. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, You can do it in PDF, HTML, or EPUB. Right on. Well, maybe we'll get ground to put some little instructions in the show notes. <laughs> okay yeah thanks okay. thanks a lot patrick for coming on and, and spending so much time with us and going through all this i really appreciate your work 
Thank you very much for having me. Okay. As well, far as I'm concerned, it's just a chat. That's right. That's right. A fun one yeah, too. yeah, it was good. And uh, we'll we'll keep in touch, and we'll have you back on with some more specific uh, questions. Okay. Okay. Thanks very much. Thanks, Patrick. Okay. All, All right, the best. Okay. Bye. Soulmates whistling like a tea kettle, playing that seductive game, running through the meadow, amongst the flower petals, amongst the flower petals. She likes to swing on the swing set, singing 90s hit songs, and 90s hit songs. How do you unfold your music? Have you got a up to an auto-tuner oh, I got psychedelic in the summer Man, it was a bummer When the leaves turn black When the leaves turn black When the leaves turn black I tried to reach you But my limbs were broken but my limbs were broken How do you unfold your music? Have you got a computer Synced up to an auto-tuner? Oh, like a light at the end of a tunnel I hear my soulmates Whistling like a tea kettle Playing that seductive game Running through the meadow Amongst the flower petals Amongst the flower petals She likes to swing on the swing set Singing 90s hit songs N-n-n-n-90s hit songs How do you unfold your music? Have you got a Synced up to an auto-tuner oh.
Bingo, bango, social media jingle. Don't forget to rate, comment, and or subscribe to the Grime America newsletter. Bingo, bango, social media jingle. Don't forget to rate, comment, and or subscribe to the Grime.